Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Increase the Reality with Shane Jones. What is up, inquirers, and welcome to the show. Today, my guests and I get really deep into the UFO phenomenon and some correlating factors amongst other high strangeness. And we go deep, as you can see from the length of the episode. So I'm not going to hold you guys up from diving in. But before we can get into it, of course, if you guys don't mind taking an extra five seconds to rate the show on Spotify, I would definitely appreciate it. And if you guys don't mind taking an extra 30 seconds to leave an awesome five-star review on iTunes, I would definitely appreciate that also. Uh, Definitely helps the show to grow. And if you guys aren't already, of course, come and uh, follow the show on social media if you want to be able to get some updates on anything going on with the show, be it new episodes or anything else that I feel like posting. Uh, You guys can also pop on to the Telegram or the Discord. Uh, We're in the process right now of building up the uh, Telegram and the Discord, mainly the Discord. So anything that you guys want to do, hopping in there. It's uh, definitely appreciated, and you guys are going to see a lot more action and a lot more going on as far as the Discord goes. Uh, if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, um, be it that you're a researcher, author, contactee, UFO investigator, uh, paranormal investigator, what have you, anything open-minded, I want to sit down and have a conversation with you, so don't hesitate to email me at inquiriesallrealitypodcast at outlook.com or shoot me a message on Instagram, of course. That's the one that I'm the most active on. Or you guys can also go to the link tree and fill out the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. Um, as I say on almost every single show, make sure you keep an eye in the spam or junk folder and make sure that my reply doesn't get missed because I do respond to every single thing. But due to having a podcast and sending out a lot of links, uh, they seem to think I'm spam. So keep an eye keep an eye out there and make sure nothing gets lost. Uh, if you guys enjoy everything that I do, you guys can go and check out Bizarre Encounters. If you guys uh, enjoy this episode in particular, I definitely think that you guys will enjoy Bizarre Encounters with uh, my two awesome co-hosts, Orin and Jenny. Uh, if you guys want to keep tabs on all of the things that I do, I keep it all under uh, one thing, Open Minds Media, as you guys could tell from the little uh, intro to the show. Um, so if you guys want to go and follow that, you'll get updates on both shows that I do and anything that will be coming in the future. Uh, if you guys want to support the show, there's multiple ways to do so. Uh, number one, of course, is through Patreon. There, There's multiple tiers, so you guys can go and check it out, see which one seems to fit you the best. But you'll get uh, ad-free episodes, you'll get early access to episodes, you'll get lives of episodes, uh, you'll get live replays, which is the video format of episodes if you guys aren't able to make it to the lives. And uh, of course, all of that also goes for Bizarre Encounters. So over at the Open Minds Media Patreon, you don't just get one show, you get anything that's under the Open Minds Media umbrella. Uh, you guys can also donate to the show directly 
directly through PayPal, Venmo, Cash App. Um, also Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. Uh, if you guys want to do it that way, you guys can go all the way down to the bottom of the show description and there should be a link that says something along the lines of donate on Red Circle. Uh, if anybody donates anything whatsoever and you're not able to leave a personalized message, uh, please shoot me a message on Instagram and let me know that you guys donated because I want to give you guys a shout out if you guys ever do that. Um, and just so you guys know, um, as far as Bizarre Encounters and this show goes, uh, we're trying to go to some more events this year, be able to actually go out there and meet you guys. Uh, part of that, of course, is being able to have funds in order to get there, uh, to be able to pay, to be able to vend events. So anything that goes towards donating will be going towards essentially me and my co-host Orin and Jenny being able to actually get out and do conventions and actually meet you guys. So it's beneficial on all aspects if you guys actually want to sit down and uh, have a conversation with us in person. And uh, the other way you guys can have support all the shows and different things that I do is by going and checking out the uh, Open Minds Media merch store. There you'll find inquiries of our reality stuff, Bizarre Encounters, um, Bite Size Bizarreties, anything that I do. Even the Open Minds Media logo is available over there. Uh, and of course, if you guys buy any of the Open Minds Media merch, I definitely would appreciate it if you guys didn't mind sending me a picture of you guys wearing it so that I can repost it on the pages and of course give you guys a shout out. And uh, while you guys are also supporting creators, you guys can go and check out Joe over at Crypto Theology. Uh, he's always adding stuff all pertaining to UFO, cryptids, and paranormal stuff. So uh, if that sounds like something that you're interested in, I highly recommend going and checking out all the awesome designs he has available over at Crypto Theology. And uh, everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description, of course. And with that, let's get into the show. Returning to the show for the second time, a man of many titles, some of those including researcher, author, and podcaster, Please welcome Tim Swartz to the show. How's it going today? Hey, it's going great. Thanks for having me back on your show. See, you you didn't learn the last time that I was on, and now you have me back again, so you're stuck. <laughs> hey, I don't know about you, man, but last time you were on, it was probably one of my favorite episodes I've ever recorded. We ended up going for almost three hours, had a lot of good feedback on it, so you're one of those people. It's always welcome on the show, sir. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. I, uh, you know, I did. I had a great time the last time. And uh, so I was really happy that uh, you decided to uh, throw the dice and have me back on again. Just second of many, of course, because I guarantee you there's going to be a lot more in the future because <laughs> we're some of those people that you get us together and we can just keep going and going and going. So. <laughs> It's true. It's true. In to a good the, way, the, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully. I mean, you know, hopefully it's not to the point where, you know, the audience is like, would you just shut up already? <laughs> <laughs> I know at least a lot of my audience, they come for the in-depth conversation, which we do have a lot of. So at least as far as my listener base goes, I think that they're going to really enjoy anything that we pretty much do together. <laughs> Well, good, good. All right. Well, I don't think that uh, they'll be disappointed tonight then. <laughs> so uh, for anybody that wasn't around for the first show or any new listeners, uh, anybody that just didn't happen to hear it, uh, why don't you kind of give them a rough idea about who you are and what you do before we uh, get into some of your new research? Well, if they didn't listen to it last time, tough. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know what? Am I Mr. Exposition here? No, no, that's all right. And and you may hear my cat in the background. Uh, uh, there's there's a cat outside my uh, my office door that uh, hates hates any closed door. So if you hear a cat meowing occasionally, that's that's all it is. He just hates being on the other side of a closed door. No. <laughs> but uh, gosh, I mean. 
this is this is one of those things that's like you know uh, where do you start with that kind of description you know uh the, you know the last time that I was on you know i told the story of how you know when i was a kid i wasn't really uh unlike probably a lot of your other guests who started out well you know when i was a kid i was really interested in this and nah, that wasn't like that with me uh you know i grew up in indiana so I was interested in, uh, you know, like race cars and basketball and things like that. Now, I was interested in, say, like um, science and space. Uh, you know, the the whole uh, space program was was really going hot and heavy then with uh, the Mercury and the Apollos. But, uh, you know, when it came to, say, like the paranormal and UFOs, I really, you know, didn't have much interest or cared less uh, until the time I had to give a, 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 um, a report about UFOs uh, to my class. And this was assigned by the teacher. She would just, uh, you know, she would assign these things to everybody to do to do an essay on and i got a thing about flying saucers one time and so after i was finished i was then pegged as the flying saucer guy you know i was the guy who believed in little green men from mars and all that other stuff and uh it's just like no i just i don't care you know find something else you know let's let's uh let's talk about the indianapolis 500 not flying saucers but no 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 i was the uh i was the guy who believed in in, uh, in flying saucers. But um, what ended up really drawing me in to it all was the people who would come up to me. And, you know, when when people are in a group, you know, they'll make fun of you and stuff, but then later they'll come up to you by themselves and they'll say, you know, I don't believe in that kind of stuff, but... And then they'd tell me a story about how they... Uh, while their family was on vacation, they saw, you know, like a UFO or, or their, you know, their, their, their great grandmother Matilda keeps showing up at the foot of their bed at night, even though great grandma Matilda died like two weeks ago. So it was those kind of stories from people who weren't interested in, any kind of publicity or trying to make money or anything like that. No, they had a weird experience and they, and a lot of people don't know how to process that. You know, they, we all have like this filing system in our heads where we file away all the little things that we do every day. The, the, the normal thing, you know, you get up, you have breakfast, have coffee, drive to work, come home, go to bed, do it all over again. Now, say one day when you're going to work, a UFO lands in front of your car and, you know, little guys come out and collect rocks and plants and things and fly away. Now for most people, except for maybe the people who like like to listen to to your show or, or watch some of these uh, 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 programs on the History Channel, they have no knowledge base, no previous knowledge base to put that kind of experience in their head. So a lot of people, they'll, well, A, think they're going crazy. You know, I, I, saw, I saw a UFO with little gray guys. I'm, I must be nuts. There's no other explanation. I'm crazy. They can't tell anybody because they know they'll be made fun of. 
especially you, you you can't tell anybody you work with can't tell your family family's terrible you know uh, they'll just uh, every thanksgiving you're the you'll be the butt of the jokes for the next 20 years mm-hmm. so they would come to me because they knew i was interested in this stuff or, or at least very early on they thought i was interested i really wasn't <laughs> kind of funny how sometimes you just fall into what you do rather than actually going out and getting it you're one of those people that just kind of accidentally fell into what you do but you went with it and it worked for you it's well it's true and it's be and it's it's because of those personal accounts okay because you know you uh, we hear these wild stories and you know most people that's what they think they are wild stories oh you know it's just crazy stuff but I've heard so many of these stories through the years that it's just like, well, there has to be something going on. People just don't, you know, just don't make this stuff up just to come and tell me and then never tell anybody else again. Especially when All there's right? people that have so many similarities between things and they have no contact with each other or no base of information. Like you were saying, they're just explaining something exactly how it happened. And when you start having similarities amongst those types of people, like it brings a lot of questions in. Well, I mean, and so not only do you have similarities uh, all across the planet, but you have similarities all across time. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the same kind of stories that, People were having these experiences 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, all right? Now, they may be perceived differently due to social and cultural upbringing, but the stories really basically remain the same through all this time. And for most people, you know, they, they exist in like a vacuum of information when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, I mean, they may, you know, people come and tell me these stories and they'll have no idea that, you know, I've got a whole file of, of the very same kind of stories, you know, just from all over the place and, and, you know, all across the, you know, the decades. So that's what really got me interested in all this stuff. It's, it's, you know, the, 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 the stories are interesting and it's the people who bring them to me that I think is the most fascinating because it really does confirm to me that there is that, that, that our reality, our world, our universe is probably a lot different than we think it is, all right? That there is so much more going on than we can perceive. Uh, and and these little incidents, these, these, these little weird things that happen to people on a daily basis all across the planet, it just shows me that, you know, just really what a wonderfully mysterious and, and fascinating place we live in. I mean, even if you break it down too, you got to think about the numbers here that, you know, there's a pretty good amount of people that end up having this type of contact where they actually come out and talk about it. But then there's a whole backstory of people that have had these experiences and never want to talk about it. And then there's another group of people who have had experiences and they try to rationalize it with things that are like normal happening. So like, you know, they might see like a UFO with somebody walking out of it and they rationalize it as, Oh, it must've been like a Halloween prop with some kids walking out and they never think about it ever again. And then even on another spectrum of things, uh, when you start getting into like the in-depth, like advanced technology where they could 
potentially like wipe certain parts of your mind or almost like knock you out before they even come. Uh, it makes you wonder too how many people could have had like abduction experiences or things like that that they weren't even aware of in the first place. And there's a lot of like regressions that people have where they start kind of getting pieces together of like, you know, some missing time they may have had. But a lot of people, it seems like that don't dream. Um, there's some always some like weird ties when they start really getting into that stuff. So it kind of makes me wonder if these things interact with us way more than we even imagine that they do. And even on another level where it's not even necessarily like physical, but they might even be able to interact with you like consciously, like while you're sleeping and you may not even be aware of anything going on. And that may be part of like a social experiment just to kind of see like about you and like how you react, assumably, because just like, you know, how we watch animals in nature, you know, it's not just about knowing like how the animal functions you also want to know like how the animal thinks so you know another portion of that is you're gonna have to put people into kind of like thought experiments to kind of see how they interact and you don't really want them to be aware of you otherwise they're going to react different than how they would normally react it's like that observer effect yes very that's very much so um and and you brought up a good point with uh people who have had unusual experiences, um, some will just be absolutely fascinated by it and try to figure out what was going on. But you have a very large percentage of people who just want to forget about it and will ignore what happened to them. They'll just they'll they'll try to shove it into the back of their mind, and it never happened. Uh, uh, and you, it's interesting. You'll see that happen a lot when you have, say, like a group of people have uh, a, an experience at the same time that uh, you'll have a certain percentage of this group just absolutely refuse to accept and acknowledge that anything weird happened. And, and it's like you said, they'll try to rationalize it sometimes to the extreme that it would make more sense that that yeah he actually did experience you know a ufo with little gray guys that came out and stole your cat uh right you know rather than you know whatever uh explanation that they came up with you know it's kind of like um how the air force used to uh try to come up with some of the more bizarre explanations of ufo sightings oh well you know swamp gas or mm -hmm. you know weather kids balloons. Out <laughs> weather balloons kids out flying a kite oh you saw the planet venus it doesn't matter if it was cloudy it you know the clouds were above venus so that's yeah it was just it was venus so yeah it's uh, but i mean i would say that probably uh, all of us at least one time in our life have had some kind of really strange experience now it may not you know it it, it it may not be to the extreme of, of of seeing a ghost come, you know, dancing down your staircase, or or or, or, or something like that. It, uh, it 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 could be very small, like uh, the telephone rings, and you know, who, without even looking at it, you know who it is that's going to call, or you're thinking about somebody. And all of a sudden, uh, they'll call you or you'll uh, uh, hear their name on television. Or, you know, the, the thing that I get a lot is uh, uh, I'll be reading a book and people will say the exact same, say, like a set of words that I'm reading. You know, That's I get some that synchronicity. a lot. I was going to yeah. say a lot of the time for me, I'll be like thinking about something. 
Um, and then it'll pop up somewhere. Not even like any of that weird like algorithm stuff on like Facebook, but like I'll be like mm. watching a movie and thinking about like a certain thing, and then all of a sudden something pertaining to it will pop up in the movie, or yeah. you know, I'll be reading an article and all of a sudden I'll be like on a thought train and there'll be something that kind of continues my thought train, like everything kind of mm-hmm. weirdly working out for a reason, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, and, you know, I mean, I think that just shows that uh, uh, we're all a lot more connected, uh, not only with each other, but with the universe, you know, it's like the, you know, like the, 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 like a, like a spider's web that that connects us with everything and everything connects us. But um, so, I mean, so when it comes to these weird experiences, you have the group, you have a group of people and, and back to just briefly what, what you had said earlier, I would say that probably we only get about probably even less than 1% of all the really truly bizarre experiences that people are happening, that, that, that people have had happen to them. We get less than 1% where somebody will actually come and try to tell somebody else about it. All right. Everybody else just kind of suffers alone, which is really, really a shame because I would love to know uh, what else is going on out there because this less than 1%, we see some of these, you know, just absolutely amazing and, and really seemingly connected types of cases. So what else is going on that, that people are afraid to ever speak about it? Uh, you know, John Keel would call, uh, uh, he had a name for uh, people who had, um, close encounter UFO experiences, but never told anybody about it. He called them silent contactees. All right. These people never sought any kind of publicity, never told anybody, not even their families about what was going on in their life. They just kind of suffered alone. And, and John would just uh, would run across them accidentally, or, um, you know, maybe he would have a friend that uh, a person just you know had confided in and that's how he discovered about it but but he discovered that there were a lot of people who had these really you know the high strangeness cases of of ufo experiences that uh, you know nobody ever talked about nobody ever wanted to talk about it and uh, so i mean to to me you know back to uh you know when you asked me how i got started in that that's that's really you know this the stuff that fascinated me was was the human experience in in all of these cases and uh, and it you know it it, it continues to fascinate me today you know uh because i just i i i love I love having somebody, you know, like send me an email and said, you know, you're not going to believe me, but, and that's you how you know, know it's, it's going to be good. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, give me a shot. I, you know, I may not. And yeah, there are sometimes I'll have people tell me stories that I'm pretty certain they're just trying to pull my leg. I've kind of developed, you know, the, uh, what the cops would call a, a blue sense on uh, 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 stories that uh, are are probably fabrications, you know, I can't be sure about it. You know, nobody can, you know, nobody can uh, be, be sure 100%. But, um, you know, I'm pretty trust, uh, I'm pretty trusting when it comes to a lot of the reports that that, that come to me, because they just have that that ring of, of, of believability to them. 
It's about sometimes how somebody comes about the story too, because, you know, if you see somebody that's like very much so into the community, they never really had like their own experience and they start coming at you with like a fantastical experience, then you maybe, you know, kind of hear it out and kind of see where it plays out. But especially when you get people that don't even want their names attached to stuff, then I feel like those are always the ones that I always get the most hooked into because like they don't want their name linked. And I mean, there's two ways you can look at that. Either one, it's because they don't want everything to come out in the wash, but if they're coming to you particularly to say their story and they usually, a lot of the time say that they don't actually want the story out. They just wanted to tell somebody like, those are the ones that I always take to heart personally, because there's, there's nothing to gain for that person on any aspect, especially if they are just, do they just literally just wanted to be able to tell somebody. Yeah. Well, and you know, some of my best, some of the best stories that have come to me have been in situations where say like, you know, I've been at a party or, 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 or a group of people who have no idea what I do. All right. And then once it gets out, then you almost always have, you know, several people come to you with uh, their the, the experiences that they've had, you know, just out of the, you know, out of the blue. So, you know, and uh, and I sincerely doubt that, you know, somebody would just like very quickly make up a story just to lie to me in, in situations like that. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, so, yeah, the uh, uh, sometimes the best ones that I that I've been told have just been, you know, these these out of the blue uh, uh, chance meeting situations. I mean, those are always the ones that like. You, you try to, you, you create this community, you do like a podcast, for example, and there's like a certain level of comfort that people start to develop where they can feel like they can come mm-hmm. to you and be able to tell their stories. But then there's the other half of people who don't realize that we're, you know, just guys with microphones that like to research this kind of stuff. <laughs> and they feel like we're kind of like out of reach, for example, for whatever reason, which may, I'm just going to throw it out there. We're not out of reach. If you guys have any stories you guys want to tell mm-hmm. us or share with us, we'd be happy to hear them. Yeah. But uh, like a lot of the time, people just don't know who to give the information to because they don't know anybody in their own personal life. So especially when you have situations like you were just describing, like that may be some people's only opportunity to actually be able to tell somebody that's actually going to hear them out and listen. Because I mean, a lot of like the people who have started, who have experienced things, um, you know, that are older than millennials, for example, aren't necessarily on the internet. I mean, even a lot of millennials aren't even necessarily on the internet. So, you know, they're Mm -hmm. not out here trying to find a community to tell the story to, it just kind of gets pushed into the back burner of their head. And then when somebody's actually in front of them that they can actually reside that in, then all of a sudden it springs back to the front and it just makes them feel better just to be able to at least tell one person that's not calling them crazy by the end of it. It's, you know, it's so much easier now um, for people because of the Internet and because of reality television, too. Uh, You know, when I when I got started, there was no Internet. (laughs) Uh, uh, You had books, basically, in magazines. And that's that's where you'd get a lot of these stories, and that's where you would get uh, you know information on uh, uh, who you could contact to uh, uh, tell your stories to, or to try to get more in, information. But uh, but now it's you know the the internet is kind of a it's it's a double edged sword actually because you you now have a lot wider exposure to all this kind of, you know, all these kinds of uh, uh, fascinating things. You, you don't have to just rely anymore on, say, you know, in search of on television or, you know, sightings, some of the, some of the early uh, television shows. Um, but then again, there is so much information 
on the internet that is um, I'm going to be polite about it. You know, it's just uh, um, um, bullshit. <laughs> Fantastical. We'll, we'll make it sound a little bit nicer. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's it's definitely not. But 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 it is. I mean, there there's there's a lot of information out there that is you, you can't trust it. All right. And I always tell people that if they are trying to find more information about a subject that they're either interested in, or maybe they've had a similar experience to don't just buy into everything that you read out there. And of course it was the same way, you know, when I was younger and, you know, with books, magazines and, and, and newspapers, I mean, you know, you had to make sure that you vetted your information as, as best as you possibly could. Um, you know, now, you know, you, you can go and look for say like a certain story on a site and then find it again on other sites and see whether or not anybody has actually gone to original sources or if they just keep repeating from other sites this to you know just copy and paste for the for their own site there's a lot of places that are like that i mean that's all they do they just copy and paste without trying to find out uh uh how much the original story is based on fact, whether or not the uh, uh, the the author got got the facts right to begin with. You know, did they uh, um, did they actually interview the the people who had the experience, or you know, did uh, just 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 all of that? So uh, you know, I just I always tell everyone to uh, you know, don't accept everything that you read. Just on first glance, you, you have to go and check it out for yourself. Look for the sources yourself and, and, and then, you know, then leave it up to you to, to decide if it, if it sounds correct or not. Um, because, because again, I mean, there's just, there, there's a lot of lazy writing out there and, uh, you know, this is the type of subject that there's no room for lazy writers, you know, because it's fantastical enough as it is. And, uh, uh, you know, there, there have been some really good and, and, and probably, uh, factual stories that have gotten either buried or tossed out because, you know, maybe somebody got a little bit of the uh, the information wrong, and then the skeptics jumped in and tore it all apart. You know, just just one little drop of blood, and you know, it's 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 ripped apart and uh, not considered a viable case. So you know, you just uh, uh, you know, all researchers, all investigators. I mean, they 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 really have to do their you know due diligence and, and make sure that everything that they write down and put out there is as accurate as they can possibly get it. This is uh, kind of thrown out of left field on this one, but I always kind of wonder too if there is a case that is just like one of those cases that they know somebody's going to get information out of. If again, because obviously the government doesn't want anybody to know about like UFOs, aliens, any of this weird phenomenon happening. Um, it makes you wonder if there's a good case and it starts getting out. If 
it's there's intentional forces that'll purposely like start messing up information so that people stop looking at that case because they I feel like at this point they know that they're not going to be able to completely cover anything up so it more so becomes now covering the narrative or you know changing the narrative and making it fit what you need it to be versus like completely hiding the information like they used to be able to do in the past because that's almost impossible nowadays so like I feel like a lot of this conspiracy stuff, a lot of this UFO stuff, paranormal stuff, if anything's super viable, there are forces at will that are purposely trying to dilute out the information. You know, I think that that may have been um, more of a case in the past, especially when it came to to to, to UFOs. Uh, and like you said, it it, it was probably uh, easier to uh, throw around uh, misinformation to uh, 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 discredit reports, especially anything having to do uh, with military involvement, government involvement, you know, intelligence you know, involvement. Um, now, I wonder if that's necessary anymore um, because, because information is so easily gotten and spread that um, sometimes even the best and most exciting stories are hot for a couple of days and then that's it. Then they get buried by the next thing. So, you know, really anymore, unless it's something that really may have a problem with national security, uh, uh, I think that... uh, the best thing that a lot of these operatives could do is nothing, you know, because you know it, 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 ultimately it won't matter because you'll get a few people interested in the subject, but then the next thing comes along and then that's gone. You know, it's, it's, it's buried. Um, you, you go back in say like the, um, late seventies and early eighties when you had people say like Paul Benowitz in, uh, uh New Mexico, who uh, thought that he was seeing uh, UFOs flying around over the uh, Kirkland Air Force Base there outside of uh, Albuquerque, and, uh, and 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 he actually approached the uh, the the superiors at the base and said, "Hey, you know, I'm concerned that I see these UFOs flying over uh, what appears to be." Uh, um, you know, areas where you're storing uh, nuclear weapons. And uh, uh, there's a possibility that they, you know, that they were actually doing some kind of research, maybe with with drones or, or who knows what. And so they deliberately started a campaign of disinformation against uh, uh, Paul Benowitz, feeding him stories that basically made him look like he was nuts. You know, the giving him information saying that uh, there were underground bases uh, uh, with with aliens that had kidnapped human beings and were keeping them in in vats to uh, 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 do experiments on their genetics. And just, you know, the stories just got wilder and wilder to the point where uh, 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 Paul actually uh, had a nervous breakdown and had to be committed for a while and then later committed suicide. So, uh, and that's, that's kind of an extreme example of the kind of manipulative misinformation that can go on. Um, But um, 
you know, whether or not they feel that that kind of manipulation is needed anymore. I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's like I said before, um, you know, there's, there's, there's so much information out there now that uh, 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 things can get buried so quickly that probably the best way to keep something covered up is just to say nothing about it at all. Yeah. Just let the news <clears throat> news feed just cycle through and then just call it a day. I mean, we exactly. kind of saw that recently with that whole new UFO phenomenon thing that was happening where, you know, they, first of all, they didn't call them UFOs. They called them UAPs. And then everybody else started calling them UFOs. So I feel like that was an intentional thing, like trying to control the narrative a little bit. And obviously I don't think there were anything like that was actually like extraterrestrial UFOs. If anything, my kind of theory on it was, I think that the government was just kind of letting people play into that name so that if anything weird did happen, they could easily just try to shoot it down and go, Oh, it's just some kind of Chinese spy balloon or something like that. And they can just kind of play it off and, you know, kind of dilute out the information on it. And I was listening to somebody on a podcast recently and we can get into this a little in a little bit about my kind of theory relating to this whole like transparent UFO thing. But uh, it was somebody who was ex FBI or they work somewhere up in the government in like deep state. And they were pretty much saying that any real phenomenon you can't shoot down because they have these like transparent abilities where they can't actually get hit by anything that we shoot at them. And anything that you see that gets shot down unless it was intentionally like crashed into something that wasn't going to have anything to do with us. Um, you can't shoot down like actual UFOs. And this was again, coming from somebody that was part of the deep state, but I, you know, you can only verify that so much and kind of take their word for what it is. But I mean, as right. far as like what I've seen for a lot of stuff, it seems like I say we can get into this kind of theory on it, but, uh, this whole like transparent ability is more than just being transparent. It seems like things are able to go through it. And then you have a perfect example where, what was it back in uh, the battle of Los Angeles or whatever that was called when they're all shooting at the UFOs that were above this missile silo and none of them hit when all the, all the smoke cleared, but they all happened to hit each other because they were shooting mortars and everything up and they're just coming back down. And then this thing just flew away. Like nothing happened afterwards. Like it's seen in all of these big cases that, you can try to shoot them down, but it's just they, they, they're functioning in a different way that, you know, we, we just aren't able to make contact with them like that. Oh, exactly. Well, you know, and uh, uh, after they after the government shot down the Chinese balloon over the Atlantic, then there was uh, three other cases where jets were scrambled to shoot down uh, other unknown objects, and they've, they're, they're still referring to them as UAPs. But uh, no doubt that they were man-made objects, probably, probably balloons of, of you know, uh, uh, amateur balloons, thing, things like that. Because as you said, throughout UFO history, and I'm using the term UFO, all right, you know, I mean, UAPs was, uh, even though it's, uh, they're wanting to use that now. I mean, that's been around uh, almost as long as UFOs, but I like the, I like the word UFO. That's kind of where I'm but, at. I'll always use UFO. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, they've been attempting to uh, uh, shoot down UFOs uh, uh, for a number of years with, uh, uh, as far as we know, no success. So you can't tell me that all of a sudden, now they can knock one out with a sidewinder missile like they said they did. You know, okay. I mean, so they're using the word UAP 
just as a catch-all for anything that they can't currently identify, even though with these cases, they were like, yeah, these were balloons, but we don't know whose balloons they were, so we're going to call them UAPs. So, I mean, you know, the uh, the actual unidentified flying objects that fly around with the uh, wild maneuvers and uh, obviously are exhibiting uh, exotic forms of propulsion, those uh, uh, those can't be shot down. Or at least uh, uh, they can't be shot down easily. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put it that way. I mean, you know, because it's like I said, I mean, all the way back into the you know like late '40s and um, early '50s, there were a couple of times when, um, um, and not just the United States, but uh, you know, other countries as well, the. Uh, uh, planes were ordered, military planes were ordered to uh, try to shoot these crafts down with uh, no success at all. And, and sometimes to the detriment of uh, uh, the plane and the pilots who were uh, attempting to uh, uh, shoot these things down. They, um, uh, what was it? There was the case over uh, uh, Tehran in uh, what was like 76, I think. Don't, don't quote me out, but it was definitely, you know, in the uh, late 70s. When um, every time the, uh, the the pilots would get a radar lock on this craft, their instruments would suddenly die, uh, to the point where they almost lost control of the craft uh, of the uh, 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 of the jet, and then the UFO would you know like you know skitter out of the way, and everything would power back up again. Uh, uh, one of the pilots, I think, actually uh, they're caught. Bit actually uh, got so hot uh, they they were bathed in a uh, like a light from the ship and the uh, cockpit heated up to the point where they thought that they were going to have to eject. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that uh, the the that the aircraft was just going to explode right then and there. So uh, uh, these these recent cases where you know they said that they're able to shoot these things down now. Nah, those you know those. Definitely were balloons, maybe more, you know, the maybe more the you know, Chinese or other countries' balloons. Or I, I think one of them was actually like a, uh, a an amateur group from the United States who had <laughs> uh, uh, they had uh, uh, spent some money to uh, uh, try to get one of these balloons with uh, radio instruments up to the edge of space, and it got to a certain point, and then suddenly it disappeared. And uh, and then the uh, the announcement came. Well, oh, the Air Force shot down a, a UAP over the. I think it was like Lake Huron, one of those situations. And these guys are just like, ah, <laughs> quick, throw all the equipment out. We have no, no tie uh, to yeah, it because the government yeah. found it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 yeah, I mean, you know, these these kind of cases. I mean, they're uh, uh, actual UFOs are are a lot more difficult to uh, pin down or shoot down than uh, than than any conventional balloon. <laughs> Before I get into my weird theories on the whole transparent displacement thing, um, I'm sure with your research, you probably have your own theories on it. I'd love to hear what uh, you're, you've kind of realized, what you've kind of come to as like a reason why these things are translucent or able to kind of disappear away from actually being shot down. Hmm. Well, 
you know, I mean, I have I have theories and ideas and and you know, all of that will won't even buy you a cup of coffee. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's it, it's meaningless because we really don't um we don't understand what we're dealing with. I mean, we're we're seeing things that at times look physical and then don't. They're able to maneuver around like like there's nothing in their way. I mean, you know, uh, conventional aircraft not only do um, do they have to maneuver, you know, based on gravity and inertia and uh, atmospheric friction and things like that? You know, the uh, UFOs. It's just like they they could just be flying in the middle of space for as far as they're concerned. It's it's like our physical reality doesn't have any effect on them at all. But they appear to be physical. All right. Until they're not. Until they're not physical. <laughs> <laughs> so um it uh it's it's to me it seems rather obvious that we're dealing with something that is able to maneuver in and out of our reality and 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 it's i i wonder sometimes whether or not they are actually in our reality um whether or not we're just seeing a projection from someplace else into our reality to the point where they actually land and things get out and then actually have uh, uh, physical interactions uh, with, with people. Um, so, I mean, I don't really have any, I don't really have any theories. Uh, uh, you know, I've got, um, I've got ideas and, and, you know, mind games, so to speak, but it's all really, it's, it's, it's all just a big mystery. And if you go and, 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 and I definitely avoid trying, you know, trying to say, well, UFOs appear to be trans-dimensional objects that, you know, when they come, you know, to within our reality in the quantum mechanical field, they, you uh, know, and, and uh, no, I, I, I'm not going to do that because I have no idea. You know, all I know is that there are things that people see that are uh, extraordinary, uh, uh, act in ways that, don't appear to be how things normally act within our three-dimensional reality. And other than that, you know, your theory is just as good as my theory because I don't have any. And until they actually make an appearance and, you know, bring out their, uh, um, uh, 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 their 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 books and and uh, uh, journals and logs and blueprints to explain how it all works. That's really all we have. We just have theories. Yeah, we're just shooting in the dark, essentially. <laughs> we are. Yeah, we are. We are. 
I mean, as far as like my kind of idea of what I think it could theoretically be is uh, actually it was kind of inspired by talking to a few people. And one of them was the first time you came on the show where you were talking about the uh, the one ship that somebody came up to and it was vibrating at a high rate that it was producing heat and it ended up actually burning the person. Um, right. That connected in with another guy I had on the show who was doing some research over this volcano in Mexico and was talking about how he was watching this weird phenomenon, how he'd watch these ships fly in solid and then stop, split into two, but look transparent and fly off somewhere else. So I started connecting and wondering if, obviously, all particles are always in motion. They're always vibrating at different speeds. So if you were able to create a technology where you could essentially vibrate at a different frequency than what our reality consisted of, you could either, one, make it so that those particles essentially are able to translucently like fly through any object that's in our reality because the particles aren't actually colliding. They're actually separating on like a microscopic level. And then extending past that, when you see like the solid ship turn into two, I wonder if they're able to actually take the particles from one area, if they already have that technology in order to vibrate them at different frequencies to pass through things, and if they can essentially basically like take those particles and have half of the particles here, half the particles there. So anybody that's looking at it, you can't really shoot or do anything with either of them because they're not fully manifested into that area because the particles have been split. And in turn, it may also kind of create like a decoy where maybe one of them is like the main consciousness of like the people that are flat or the, you know, things that are flying the ship and the other one's more of like the decoy of it where maybe the ship's particles displace but their particles don't necessarily so then they have this split off and then a lot of the time too I've seen it where they like reconnect and they look like they're solid again so mm -hmm. I, I've been kind of wondering if it has to do with these vibrations that they're producing and if they're able to vibrate something that we can't understand where they're able to basically just have their particles vibrating so different than matter in our reality that they can pretty much just go through it because none of the particles actually ever even touch each other or collide. Yeah, that's... Uh, 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 and if um, if you notice in your research that... Uh, uh, yeah, and and that's, that's an interesting uh, point with, with the vibrations because when you see these things in the air, a lot of times they glow... Uh, certain colors right when they come down to land that glow disappears and they it, it's like they solidify all right and just before they take off that glow reappears around their ship whatever it is it levitates into the air and a lot of times the, uh, the the colors will change and, you know, each count, you know, will, will be different. You know, sometimes it'll shift to, say, like a red color or, or, or green or blue or, or whatever. You, but there's something with that vibrational shift, maybe, that uh, uh, then creates a light from, uh, 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 from a different part of the spectrum. And then there and then it takes off splits into two or disappears, what have you. Um, you know, one idea that uh, uh, somebody told me one time that, you know, possibly we're dealing with things that are from, say, like uh, 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 not, not a third dimensional reality, uh, but and even beyond, say, like the uh, 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 fourth dimension. And they likened it to if we were fish in an aquarium, all right? 
and somebody would go and stick their finger into the top of the water. Well, the fish would just see that small portion of your finger flying around at the top of uh, of their water, the, uh, not understanding that that's just a tiny segment of something bigger. And say you put your, you know, like a, a second finger in, it's like, oh my God, look, it's split in two. And then you, you withdraw both of them quickly. It's like, it just vanished. So, you know, could we, could we be fish in a fishbowl someplace and somebody's, you know, uh, sticking their fingers into the water and that's what we're seeing. That's something I've actually been kind of wondering lately too. And I've been trying to figure out exactly like what portion of the ship that could potentially be. Like maybe what we're looking at is just like some part, some part of like the propulsion system. We're not actually even seeing like the actual ship itself. It's almost like kind of like you're saying, like if, if you put like a boat in the top of the water, all you'd be seeing is like the line down the middle and like the propeller. Like maybe that's kind of what we're seeing is just the propulsion unit, but we're not actually seeing the portion of the ship where there's actually inhabitants really on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, um, I think that, there may also be a, say, like a, 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 a social or cultural bias in play as well, that uh, uh, our perception of these things, when they enter our reality, can actually be manipulated by um, our expectations of them. You know, it's like... Uh, uh, what when people used to believe say like in angels and would see what would be what they would call a fiery chariot blazing across the sky uh and that's that's what they saw they you know they they saw the wheels turning they saw the angels uh uh, uh whipping the horses and things like that well you know we don't believe now in in angels or fiery chariots uh instead we think along you know more scientific terms of of actual physical spaceships uh uh, coming down and landing and so that is that is what we are seeing and whatever this phenomenon is that it is um at least partially able to be manipulated by our um, um, unconscious belief systems. So if if we had the opportunity to go 500 years into the future and the phenomena is still presenting itself to us in uh, uh, in a fashion that we don't understand, will will we still still be seeing spacecrafts from other planets? Or will our cultural and social expectations 500 years in the future present us with something different? You know, we're still not able to understand what we're seeing. So we're going to manipulate it into something that is acceptable to us. That's not saying that the phenomena isn't real. What I'm saying is that we have the ability actually to put these things 
into categories that our minds can accept. And if they're so far outside of what our minds can understand, then we don't see anything. See, I was kind of wondering too, kind of playing into what you were saying, if it's a matter of like their interaction with us in the aspect of, you know, back in the day, they could come and everybody would think they were a king or a god. So pretty much they would, you know, show up and they just got welcomed at that point because everybody was like, oh, this is a god. This is somebody from the sky. So there's no like, not, I don't want to say fear for them, but no like worry about anybody trying to come after them or like kind of push it further than that. Where now at this point, I feel like uh, if they do ever become physical, if they're able to land and become physical, or if they are just physical to begin with, now they have to worry about the fear of like, once they stop and land here and actually get out of the ship, uh, like how are people going to react? Are we going to shoot them? Are we going to try to kill them? Are we going to do whatever? Are we going to actually listen to them? Like they're not going to have the same form of like, uh, like power than they would back in the day, because I feel like back in the day they could just walk out and ask people to do stuff and people would do it. Now people's first reaction is going to be to shoot at them or do whatever. So going into the future, I wouldn't even be surprised if as we advance our weapons, because as humans, I feel like it's just something that we're naturally going to do and there's no fight back from it. Like humans are naturally like a war, a war type of civilization. If they're just going to start coming less and less in the future, once we develop weapons where we can actually do something to them because they don't have the same power that they did. And if they get to a certain point where we actually kind of start to line up with them as far as technology goes, then they may not have a reason to come here because it's not worth the danger because we'd be even more so looked at as like the primitive beings that now have advanced weapons versus, you know, the primitive beings that have explosives and they're like, okay, cool, whatever. We can kind of just stay back and watch and blow each other up if we have to. But once we start getting into things where we could possibly like, you know, shoot off like a nuke or something and it echoes between dimensions, I feel like, like a UFO wouldn't necessarily be able to escape something if the impact or explosion is able to almost go interdimensional, even in like the core of where like the initial explosions happening. Because even if it's just like a small little spot that almost that's able to like hit multiple dimensions at once, I feel like that may be the ting that might actually be able to start damaging their ship. Well, if you look back through throughout history, um, whatever the intelligence is that is involved with this phenomena, it's never been easy for them to interact with people. All right. Uh, uh, there, there's all kinds of historical accounts of, of people attacking these things with whatever weapons they have available, even if it's just uh, rocks and mud. Uh, uh, so I think that's one of the reasons why you never, uh, uh, very rarely do you ever have um, close encounter events where there are more than just one or two or a handful of people at the most. All right. Any more than that can be problematic. Always has been probably always will be. Uh, so, but then again, you know, even with individual uh, accounts of, of of these things uh, 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 trying to interact with uh, w with a person, say like on a dark road or in the woods or something like that, it, that can be problematic as well because uh, uh, people naturally will either respond to these kind of situations with the uh, the uh, um, um, the fight or flight response. I'll either try to run away or they'll try to attack out of, out of fear. Um, 
But um, the majority of the times, whatever these intelligence are, are able to keep themselves protected. You know, the uh, 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 puny humans really can't, uh, haven't been able to do that much. Uh, uh, you know, there, and then there have been, you know, like modern accounts of people actually, you know, shooting guns, shotguns, things like that at the craft. Uh, uh, and again, going back to the military craft, you know, actually, you know, shooting uh, uh, explosive rounds or, or even missiles. But, uh, uh, you know, most of the time, uh, uh, these weapons are useless. They they'll either just uh, it's, it's like you said earlier. You know, just seem to go through them or bounce off. Um, so it's it's difficult to say if we are dealing and and again you know we're we're back to speculation and theory here you know if if we're dealing with something that is you know interdimensional interreality whatever that means uh or if we're dealing with something that is present here on the planet with us but uh, either existing on a different vibrational rate or 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 what have you uh, they seem to have the ability for the most part to avoid uh, uh, violence from us and have probably learned from interacting with us for you know uh, thousands of years uh, that uh, uh, you can't trust us because that that you know it, that threat of violence will always be there uh, and that could very well be why we're seeing them present themselves in ways that would almost prevent a lot of people from uh, uh, going the violent route. It's like you said, at one time, they would present themselves as gods or angels or, you know, some kind of deity types of figures. Well, you know, you you don't go and take a pitchfork to God. Mm-hmm. That would not be a good thing to do. Kind of the same way uh, uh, today. If you present yourself as a extraterrestrial from another planet, I think that uh, uh, most people, even though their first reaction would be to attack, that would quickly be superseded by, no, wait, I better not do that. This is something that could, you know, you know, either attack back, you know, with the ray gun, or you know, you just you you just don't do this. You know, this is could be a friendly visitor from another planet. You know, you don't attack it. So, I mean, we've been left with this mindset for for quite a while now, and uh, uh, um, and and as well, we also are see, and and this is something that you know we can get into. Um, when we discuss my latest uh, book, there's also this mental manipulation that takes place that almost shuts down a person's mind uh, uh, to the point where the thought of violence just completely goes out of their heads. And instead, they're just like awestruck 
to the point of being almost paralyzed. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who will have these encounters and they would say, you know, my normal reaction to something like this would be to turn tail and just run like hell. But no, instead I stood there and I looked up at this thing with my arms outstretched almost as if I was inviting them to land and have a beer with me. And you hear that a lot. I've been wondering so if that has to do with lights too, because you were talking about the lights earlier and mm-hmm. like humans, of course, think of lights as just like, Ooh, pretty color. But I think there's a lot more to it than that. As far as the extraterrestrials go, because I've talked to a lot of people who have had a lot of different experiences and I've asked people in particular, like when they've had abduction experiences, different things like that, like what color light they were seeing, because we already kind of know that like with psychology, like you see like a police light where you see the red and you see the blue and they flash back and forth. It sh- like basically shut your mind down where you can't think properly. So you're just more like prone to just kind of sit there and be docile. So we already kind of have the working of knowing that certain colors react with a certain, with the brain in certain ways, especially when flashed or done properly. So when it comes to these UFOs, for example, I wonder if they know this kind of stuff way more in depth where they know that they can use this certain shade of this certain color and it'll just completely wipe your mind where you just watch in awe, or they can even use another color and it basically just freezes everything. Cause I've heard of a Mm -hmm. few people that have talked about how, They've seen green and it looks like everybody in the room is frozen or they're not moving at the same speed as them. And them in particular, the person who was being abducted or who was having contact um, was basically reacting like this green wasn't doing anything to them, but everything else in the room is reacting to it. So just like weird things like that. But it seems like green for them almost like freezes people. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, there are... um self-protection flashlights that are now available uh, uh, anywhere that uses a strobe light to uh, uh, basically, I don't know if immobilize would be the right word, but uh, it would, you flash this strobe light at say like in an attacker's face and it's enough to stop them in their tracks long enough for you to, you know, get the hell out of there. So, yes, definitely, you know, uh, uh, a lot of these cases, especially the uh, close encounter cases, even uh, bedroom abductions, a lot of times start with a an almost blinding flash of bright light. See, and I always heard a thing with humming, too. So I'm also kind of wondering mm-hmm. if connecting in with the light, that they use a combination of light and a certain sound frequency that, again, like we already know that sound frequencies will make people think certain ways or act certain ways. So it could be something that's so far beyond our realm that we're not even able to like hear it or register it, or you're just barely able to hear it or register it where you notice like a hum, but it could be a frequency that's completely like locking out part of your brain from working properly. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and uh, and again, I mean, from uh, uh, from our own uh, uh, ultra human scientific studies, I mean, we you know we've we've learned that certain sound frequencies do have uh, uh, an effect on our brain. I mean, you know, just look at music. Look how certain notes, certain tones, chords, things like that will have emotional effects on us so you know john keel he wrote about when he was investigating the tnt area in point pleasant when he was uh uh, researching the whole mothman thing he found an area that 
he called the zone of terror and it was uh it was on this little little country road and he said that it was uh it was not very big uh, uh but if you entered this 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 little area uh that seemed to be going across this road he would be he just had this feeling of terror that just engulfed him that, you know, it, it made him want to get in his car and just get the heck out of there as quickly as he could. You know, the hair rose in the back of his neck, but he said that if he kept walking, he just, you know, only had to walk like four or five feet and he was out of it. So he felt like that this was something that was being projected from somewhere, maybe um, ultrasonic, you know, he wasn't sure. He's just, you know, he's just hazarding a guess uh, that, uh, uh, you know, but he couldn't he couldn't trace the source of where this this sound. Uh, uh, and again, he was just speculating that it was sound was 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 coming from. Well, we also know from uh, uh, scientific experiments that uh, certain frequencies of sounds can produce almost um, uh, 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 ghostly-like feelings in in people. Uh, they'll they'll have uh, the the hair raised in the back of their neck. They'll feel like that there's something looking over their shoulders, and this is just nothing more than uh, certain frequencies on the uh, ultrasonic. Uh, 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 um, um, spectrum of, of audio. So, yeah, like you said, if you have got an intelligence that is well-versed in our own physiology, it wouldn't take a lot of research to determine just what could be used to manipulate us and uh, uh, prevent us from being dangerous, keep us docile for you know whatever purposes, uh, and uh, and and basically control and manipulate us. I mean, I've been kind of on this theory lately too about them possibly being because theoretically, if time travel is possible, it's always been possible. So mm -hmm. I've come kind of wondering if. A lot of these extraterrestrials, especially because people talk about different races where they're more human-like and then you have like the greys where they almost seem like they could be like a further on push of the same thing possibly. Like maybe some of these phenomenon is actually us coming back and interacting with us and that's how we know how people are going to think and that's how we know what things to avoid is because these extraterrestrials are actually us from different points in time. And then when you have things like Valiant Thor or, you know, the Nordics or the ones that are a little bit closer to where we're at currently... Maybe those are like 200 years in the future. And then when you have like the tall grays, maybe they're us from like 300, 400 years in the future. And especially with this whole like converging of like races and culture and everything like that, it's only a matter of time where we're eventually going to become like a human race on the planet. There's not going to be all the different races because everything is going to become so intermixed that eventually could be a thousand years down the line, could be a couple hundred years down the line. We're all eventually going to become basically like the same racial buildup because we're not separated like we used to be in the past where it was only like certain people in certain regions would be reproducing with certain people now the world's all mixed everybody's reproducing with each other so 
again, maybe it's them, it's us coming back from the future. And assumably, just like people, if we had the ability to go way back in the past, we would definitely take advantage of that and pretend like we're gods. And a lot of this like interaction that we've had, I don't know, I see it as very like human-like. It seems like something that I could definitely see humans doing, even just like the blind research on things, putting probes in the back of things next or whatever, just trying to kind of get an idea of like how they function. I mean, it's no different than how we interact with nature now where, you know, we're sitting here and we like tag fish and we tag animals and everything. The animal itself, it doesn't know what the hell is going on. They're getting picked out of their habitat and they're getting something shoved in them. They're having this traumatic experience and they're getting thrown back. And we know that we're not hurting them, but we're still a traumatic experience for them. You look at it from a broader standpoint that, you know, they're doing it for the sake of research or even again, it could be us and you're taking people and those people are having a traumatic event. But if you know, you're not actually hurting them, you're like, Oh, you'll be fine. You throw them back into the wild after you tag them, you know? And I mean, that could, that could literally be what the phenomenon is. It's just us trying to get an understanding of like us from the past. Cause even if we keep progressing as a culture, it seems like a lot of these like tall grays and things don't necessarily have like reproductive organs in the way society is now. I mean, if things keep progressing in the manner they are, maybe we'll get to a point where we're not able to just reproduce all in ourselves and we need to rely on something else to reproduce from for us. And maybe when it gets so far in the future, you know, we'll kind of want to push back from that and be able to reproduce from ourselves. And maybe that's where a lot of the interest comes from with when they're like probing things, for example, or taking like uh, semen specimens or, you know, having like these hybrid babies with like humans that are like present day humans, you know, maybe that's not like, them trying to hide themselves among us. Maybe they're intentionally trying to mix their future DNA with our past DNA to make it so that they're able to reproduce again in the future without having some type of technology to reproduce. That, you know, that, that theory has always been one of my favorite speculations about the, uh, the, 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 the UFO mystery is that, that we're dealing at least uh, 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 partially with uh, uh, with with time travelers, and and you're correct. I mean, if if somewhere in the future we we do discover that time travel is possible, then there's no reason to think that our visitors would come from just one specific point in time. That uh, they would probably be able to recruit. Uh, 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 people from uh, from different eras, and that's that's why you're seeing just this whole you know this huge mixture of of different kinds of of, of humanoid creatures, right up to uh, people that look like modern day, uh, you know, either businessmen, you know, with their suits or ties or, or wearing, uh, 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 military uniforms and, and, and things like that. And I should point out, first of all, that, uh, um, right now on planet earth, the human race is so closely related. What was it? I think that most of us are about like fifth or sixth cousins from everybody else. I mean, one that's third how- of people in the world share DNA with Genghis Khan. So, I mean, that just shows yep. how vast just that little thing happening in the past of this guy going around from place to place and having intercourse with the women has, he, he, his DNA takes up a third of the world. Like, that's insane. 
Right. And, and, you know, the genetic differences between, uh, 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 you know, you and me and, and, and everybody else is really small at this point. Uh, uh, and, you know, and, and, and all the other stuff that a lot of people, you know, love to you know, try to find differences with each other, you know, skin color and things like that. Those are just real, those are superficial. They have really nothing to do, uh, uh, with anything. So, if if you go into the future uh, uh, far enough, it's it's probably going to get to the point where um, breeding is going to be difficult because of the um, genetic similarities and then problems and mutations that's going to start to, you know cropping cropping up uh, because everyone is so genetic similar so if you get to that point and then you are able to achieve time travel then it's yeah it's it's not going to be a far reach of the imagination that somebody's going to consider you know maybe if we go back into the past and get us uh, 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 some fresh DNA some fresh genetic material to shore up our <laughs> interbred race, uh, then, then they're going to do it. And, you know, and that's not to say that uh, a lot of these cases don't also involve what we would uh, term as uh, extraterrestrials because big, we live in a big universe Probably there's life all over the place. Why would we be the only ones who would discover time travel? So uh, uh, more than likely, we're going to be dealing with time travelers, not only from our future, but from other races, futures as well. And then throw in the whole possibility of, of uh, different realities and interdimensional uh, 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 realities it all, I think, probably starts to blur together at a certain point uh, uh, to, the, to the point where none of it makes sense and all of it makes sense. You know, I, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it definitely makes sense to me. I was even thinking, too, that like a lot of the, we have these ones that are very human like. And then we also have these ones that are very like insect like, um, like mm -hmm. people talking about the mantis beings and even like the reptilians, for example. And another thing that I was thinking as you were kind of describing that is, I mean, there could, of course, be different things coming in from different realities, different places or just to throw in another theory, those could be time travelers from another point in time because, assumably, you know, oh, there's yeah. going to be great cataclysms. There's already been multiple cataclysms, and every time that happens, human race gets dwindled down, and then again, you have to recon of populate from like a smaller group of people to expand it back out. And if there's multiple cataclysms that happen through time, you know, maybe the tall grays are the last of like the humans, and then maybe at some point, like, we leave this reality or we leave this time, and then maybe there's been enough great cataclysms where maybe only certain types of insects actually lived and then because they were the dominant thing on the planet after that they started to adapt and become you know like the the main living component of the planet so then maybe you know we're looking at these like insect looking extraterrestrials like they're coming from different places but maybe they could be like a thousand years in the future when everything's died off on the planet besides different types of insects and then they became the main the main like consciousness for the planet. So then they just eventually ever ended up adapting and becoming, you know, something that's able to take up the environment and became mm -hmm. more human like, because 
I've kind of started to wonder if like the end all for evolution or adaptation, whatever you want to call it, is essentially that everything will eventually become two hands and two feet with the head up on top because that's the easiest way I feel to be able to interact with your environment before you transcend to that next level of being like a fourth dimensional being. Like I feel like this is like what kind of like humans are and what all these extraterrestrials are is like the peak of physical reality existence as far as like being able to interact with it. Well, at least on at least on Earth, um, because the, and in my latest book, you know, mimics the others among us. One of the questions that I bring up is why the human shape, why the humanoid shape, all of these interactions that we have been talking about in this show right now, and 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 in other conversations as well. Um, with these things, whether they are coming from flying saucers or, you know, haunted houses or, 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 or what have you, the, that, that human shape is predominant. Um, yeah, we get the, uh, uh we get the insectoids, um, we get the, uh, the, the reptilians, but the, those really are statistically small compared to the almost indistinguishable human shapes that we get that, that, that interact with us. Um, and you were talking about the um, gathering of genetic material, which has been a big thing with the whole um, abduction phenomena that you have people like Dr. Uh, uh, David Jacobs who, who feel that uh, we're dealing with extraterrestrials who are trying to create a hybrid race to shore up their genetic problems by using human genetics to create a hybrid race. All right. And weirdly enough, actually correcting our genetics in the process, taking the best of both to create the ultimate. (laughs) Now, the funny thing is, is that you go back, say, 500 years ago with the uh, stories of uh, uh, the good people, fairies, elves, creatures like that. Lots of stories of these things also falling in love or just having sexual relations with humans because they needed our genetic material to keep their races viable. All right. Like I said, these are stories from hundreds of years ago with, 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 Creatures that supposedly had nothing to do with, you know, UFOs or extraterrestrials. But the stories are still the same. They're doing the same kind of things. All right. So once again, what are we dealing with here? Is this like we were talking about? Are these things time travelers that are doing the same thing that they're doing, you know, now? We perceive them as extraterrestrials coming for genetic material 500 years ago. We perceive them as, uh, you know, uh, fairies, ladies of the lakes, those kind of things, you know, who find uh, humans attractive enough to uh, 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 
to have sexual relations and children? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With? So, you know, it's... Uh, uh, once, once again, I mean, we have got these same kind of entities appearing to us throughout time with the same kind of games, the same kind of tricks and manipulations, but they're wearing different faces. They have on different masks. See, that kind of goes into this uh, other thing that I've been kind of, I've been kind of on this whole idea lately too, that all of these things could essentially be the same thing, but uh, coming at it from a little bit of a different angle of, you know, if we're in some type of like organic simulation, assumably there's going to be things outside of it that want to be able to come in and interact with us. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just imagine somebody playing, this is the analogy I've been using, but imagine somebody playing Grand Theft Auto and the game eventually isn't going to be good enough where they don't want the NPCs just mindlessly walking down the street. They want them to interact and, you know, be scared if they do something or whatever so if there was something that created essentially like a video game but they want it to be better and better to the point where the npcs became conscious then of course they're going to still come in and play the game and l the npcs aren't going to be aware that they're actually in some form of a game so i've often wondered if a lot of the weird phenomenon we get be it paranormal alien sasquatch mothman all of this stuff could all essentially be whatever is outside of the system just picking different playable characters to come into the system and play as Or another one that you could even throw in is kind of like matches in with what you were saying is that maybe our planet is, and I've heard this theory a lot, um, some type of like a stockpile for DNA um, Mm. where maybe it's more so that it's not that all of these places are coming to us because they're like interested in something that we're doing, but rather we're the stockpile of all of their DNA that they just kind of leave us off in the corner of the galaxy so that nothing else can interact with it. And everything only comes here when they're trying to collect stuff or they need stuff and uh, the rest of the time, of course, they don't want the uh, DNA to die, so they have to keep it alive. So, of course, they want mm-hmm. a living planet for this DNA to stay alive rather than, like, a vault somewhere. Because you're looking at it from, again, like a future standpoint, it's a lot easier to take DNA and do experiments off of an actual physical being versus, like, trying to take, like, DNA of something, turn it into that, and then experiment off of it. It's, you know, it's avoiding the step, essentially. We're just like a like an area that they're just keeping with DNA that's just sitting for whenever they need it. It's available. <laughs> You know, that's that's a really good point, because you look at planet Earth and all of the, the the different kinds of life that we have here. It's 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 amazing uh, the, the the life forms that have evolved on this planet and continue to to evolve and uh, you know, I mean, and that's that is that's an excellent point. You know, I mean, you know, that that we could actually be, you know, a, a reservoir, so to speak, of of life. 
that uh, uh, you started out knowing that it's going to uh, uh, to grow and and and, and proliferate, and that uh, you know you can come here at any time and uh, take take what you need because uh, you 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 know as long as you don't uh, exploit it to the extreme that you can come back later and there'll be more. Uh, and, and and it's the fascinating thing about the way that uh, life grows and evolves, uh, uh, you know, on this planet. And and again, the, you know, it it comes back to that humanoid shape that we were we were talking about, uh, because so many of these encounters that that people have with UFOs or or, or with the others involves beings that that look human sometimes there are differences you know larger heads bigger eyes you know weird things like that but still that superficial shape is there two arms two legs you know a a head with with two eyes um so if you consider what we understand about evolution and the, the way that life develops to me, it doesn't seem likely that that humanoid shape would evolve on a planet in a completely different solar system, maybe in a completely different galaxy, to look so much like us and to be so similar to us genetically that you could have that you could actually come to Earth from your planet and interbreed with us all right with the exception that maybe we're related to these other life forms from other planets you know maybe they uh, 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 left us here started us here uh, uh, and that uh, uh, and that's the and that's the reason why we're related to them you know that's um all of the old mythologies uh, of, of ancient civilizations always talked about how uh, uh, the gods came to planet Earth and uh, uh, um, left a part of themselves here to grow as us. So, um, you know, if, if, if you take that into consideration, I mean, that's, uh, that, that could be a good possibility of why you have that ubiquitous, um, human shape. But again, I mean, you know, we're, we're presenting this in the form of, of, of extraterrestrial visitors, uh, and, uh, you know, in, in, in my, in my book mimics, you know, we have all kinds of different things going on i mean you know not only do you have the uh, the extraterrestrial hypothesis uh, you know we have uh, 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 maybe cousin species that uh, uh, like the uh, uh, Denisovians or, or what have you that uh, uh, evolved on this planet right alongside of us but at some point decided that they didn't want to interact with us anymore and moved at first out into the deserts or the faraway places to get away from us, eventually maybe going underground or under the oceans, but still physical creatures just like us, close enough to us genetically that they could breed with us when needed. Um, 
you look at cases of cryptid creatures, and I'm thinking along the lines of Bigfoot and wild men and, and things like that. Again, you have this, this hum, all too human shape to them. And, uh, and a lot of rumors, especially say from native populations, native American and other indigenous people who talked about how these creatures at times would come in and raid villages and, uh, steal women to, for the purposes of, of interbreeding. And it's you see this same kind of story playing in and out throughout history. And I'll say it again, the faces may look a little different, but I think underneath we may be dealing with the uh, the same kind of entities. See, one thing I've wondered, at least for like the human shape, at least, like maybe that's like the original DNA and they leave it here because they know that they have to mix that with everything else. So, assumably, you'd want things to kind of be at different points so things aren't interacting and fighting with each other. So, maybe, you know, you drop this DNA here, you drop this DNA here and here. This one adapts to at this rate, this one adapts at this rate, and this one's way faster than the other ones. Mm-hmm. So, maybe either one, like the old human construct, is like the base DNA to almost be able to create everything. Like, maybe everything kind of resorts back to one particular thing. Or two, maybe it was a matter of... It's almost like, you know, if you set up a garden and then you never touched it, eventually it's going to start overgrowing at certain spots. So, you know, you drop this DNA here of like a primate, one of a reptilian and one of like an insect all on the same planet. But then the human primate DNA um, adapts faster than all the other DNA. So then you have this species that's way more adapted than the other ones are where they're still, you know, in a like a like a they're, they're not at, at like the same level of consciousness and then maybe that's where you get all of this like angry interaction from like all these extraterrestrials where we look at like <laughs> reptilians and like the insectoids like they're against us and that may be because they see us as the enemy because this was the stockpile planet for everybody's dna and ours advanced to advance faster than theirs so now we're destroying their dna database so then they don't like us because you know, we're destroying where they're trying to save everything. And then you have the extraterrestrials like the tall greys and like Valiant Thor, who's like one of the Nordics who come and they try to tell people like, all right, enough with the weapons, enough with this. We're going to help you guys out, but you need to stop with this stuff. Maybe that's because these other extraterrestrial races are like, all right, man, you need to get your, your DNA in check because it's destroying ours. And we're not going to have a database anymore. If yours keeps destroying this entire place where we store everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, you look at the uh, the old, uh, especially like the 1950s contactees. And I mean, that that was the that was the favorite story with them is that they were here to warn us about our use of atomic weapons. You know, you're going to you're going to blow the earth up and not only are you going to blow the earth up, but it's going to infect the t- entire solar system and the entire galaxy with your weapons, which is Pretty unlikely. Now, not unlikely that you know we can blow the Earth out from underneath us with atomic weapons, but having it affect the rest of the solar system or galaxy, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Unless we're but, that DNA stockpile. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, see, yeah, that's just it. If you're dealing with something that is uh, also living here with us, but in secret then yeah 
you know, you're, you've got a vested interest to stop that uh, the human race from developing these weapons of mass destruction because not only are they going to blow themselves up, but they're going to blow everybody else up as well, including the, uh, the other DNA stock, li- like you said. So, uh, and, and, and now with a lot of these um, uh, abduction cases, people are being told about um, pending uh, environmental disasters that, uh, that they need to, uh, that we need to prevent from happening. So uh, it's, uh, uh, again, you know, the, the, the atomic threat is still there but the concern now seems to be more the prevention of uh, say like global warming or or polluting ourselves and everything else into oblivion uh, so uh, so yeah I mean I I, I do think that uh, there's the possibility that we're, we're dealing with things that are right here with us and are are concerned with what we're doing uh, because it's going to affect uh, affect them one way or the other uh, somehow. I mean, not to get too conspiratorial too, but maybe that's where the whole like uh, reptilian and insectoid thing comes in is that they know that their DNA is going to thrive in hot human environments. So, you know, you hear this whole push about like the reptilians hiding in the government, things like that. And they're pushing all of this like weather agenda type stuff. Maybe the intention is again, that they know that their DNA is finally going to thrive because maybe after thousands of years of them being like, Hey, keep the humans in check. Otherwise we're going to have a problem. They just said, all right, you don't want to keep the humans in check. We're just going to try to make our DNA flourish. And maybe there's this underground battle that we don't really know about about each one of these different races trying to keep their dna safe on this planet and trying to make the planet adapt to what their dna needs in order to thrive because they're not working all together anymore the the ufo researcher daryl sims um who uh has been has been really big into trying to gather um samples of implants from abductees, uh, uh, he uh, uh, he helped um, Dr. Richard Lear, especially in trying to uh, 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 surgically remove some of these implants, and with uh, uh, some really surprising uh, uh, successes. But um, is he the guy that goes to conventions with a case that has just like a bunch of different uh, UFO objects? Because I remember my co-host on my other show, Orn and Jenny, telling me, I think it, it may have been the same guy who uh, he was wearing like a cowboy hat and stuff. And he said gotcha. that he had this case yep, that was just full of different implants and different things that he's gotten. And he's like more than happy to show everybody all this weird stuff that he's pulled out of people. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, well. And unfortunately, Dr. Lear has passed away. Uh, uh, so, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Daryl hasn't been able to, you know, find another doctor who is willing to, you know, risk, the, risk his career, uh, unfortunately, to, you know, help some of these um, um, uh, alleged abductees uh, uh, find out if they actually do have implants or not. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, Daryl has a theory that that we have never actually, and, and Daryl is a believer in the extraterrestrial hypothesis of UFOs, uh, but he has a theory 
that we have never actually seen or or dealt with the actual extraterrestrials that are are visiting Earth, and that instead the grays and the insectoids and the reptoids and all these other creatures that 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 we've run across are actually uh, biological robots manipulations from uh, various uh, 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 genetics that have been taken right from this planet. So the insectoids would actually be uh, 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 DNA from insects from planet Earth that were then biologically manipulated to uh, to create uh, semi-intelligent beings to then come and uh, interact with us, you know, the, because they're they're from Earth. They can uh, operate on Earth, uh, same way with the reptilians and uh, and 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 these other creatures. While the real intelligence behind all these things is the unknown, we've never dealt with them. They may be in a form that is completely incomprehensible to us. Uh, but, uh, that's, uh, that's the theory that his work, he works with. And, you know, to me, something like that, uh, makes a lot of sense and would explain a lot why we, we deal with, uh, uh so many different forms of these entities. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's almost to the point a lot of times where each event has a, unique creature uh, that is uh, uh, that, that that does the interaction so I mean if if we're dealing with something that is actually being created someplace else and then sent here to do their dirty work so to speak uh, <laughs> uh, then, then yeah uh, you know the 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 actual extraterrestrial intelligence uh, has never been seen and may never ever be seen uh, because it it may be, it may be we can't even uh, perceive or conceive uh, 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 that kind of, of life form, you know, because, you know, face it, we have a very, we have very limited eyesight. We have very limited senses. I mean, you know, we evolved basically just so we wouldn't get eaten by that tiger. You know, we evolved to hide in bushes, climb trees, and that's about it. So anything outside of those, of our senses, we can't even, even if it appeared to us, we may not even be able to see it because we can't conceive it. I mean, that even fits in with what, you know, the whole angels thing, that there's the biblical Mm -hmm. depiction of an angel versus what we have decided what an angel looks like. Like, even connecting with that, it still kind of fits what you're describing. Right. Well, and and, and it goes back to something that I had said earlier about how uh, the phenomena is able to manipulate itself with the help of our, um, with our unconscious perceptions of reality so that it could actually appear to us and interact with us and we would never be able to see it or even understand it. All right. So instead we see all the things 
that we're we, that we've been talking about, you know. And, but the true source, the 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 true reality of it is just inconceivable. You know, it's it's it's, it's kind of like scholars used to like to talk about God, and that uh, uh, the, the 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 true face, the true nature of God, is just absolutely inconceivable to us, and that's why we have physical deities such as Jesus or Buddha or things like that. We can grasp that. We can understand that. But the true source of the divine is completely outside of our understanding and perception. And it could very well be with the uh, the actual source of the you know intelligence that we have been dealing with. It's just beyond our comprehension. I mean, that would completely fit, and that makes more sense to me than a lot of theories I've heard, and I've never actually sat down and really ever heard that one, and it makes sense to me because just as humans being way less advanced than these things, no matter what way you look at it, like we are significantly less advanced, you know, we already have the idea when we go into war to use drones. Like, we are getting to a point where we don't even want to send normal people in because we know it's not safe. We'd rather just send in these drones. So, assumably, if there's something that's way more advanced than us, they already are way past the drone idea, and then... And they started incorporating like biological drones, which is exactly what we could be seeing. And that fits on so many different levels, even for the aspect of like how they get here, how they travel so fast. It's because they are here because they were created here and just dropped here. And this consciousness Mm -hmm. that exists, the actual extraterrestrials could be off somewhere completely different. And they just, again, use their abilities to be able to adapt and make something here. And that would also explain why, they seem like really emotionless and you even use the term robotic and mm-hmm. uh, probably at least half of the people I've talked to that have had encounters have said that they feel robotic when they talk to them and they just don't feel like they're like they're obviously like advanced, but they don't seem like they're like as conscious as us. And that could be the reasoning behind mm-hmm. it is because these things we're interacting with aren't actually conscious. They're just essentially like biological drones. <laughs> Oh yeah, exactly, uh, uh, and and it's like you said. I mean, in in a lot of these cases where people do have face to face interactions with these with these beings, and a lot of times um, these these things don't appear as like you know extraterrestrials or, or you know are 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 or anything really bizarre, but Instead, you know, they come knocking on your door, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 with some kind of, you know, they're they're selling photographs of the neighborhood or just some stupid thing like that. And um, the weird thing is that in a lot of cases, people will just throw their doors open and say, come on in, come sit on my couch, let me bring you coffee, tell me all about your stuff. And then afterwards, you know, they'll say, I have no idea why I did that. <laughs> you know, I would never just open my door and invite a stranger into my house. Yet I hear that time and time again with these kinds of encounters. And then after, you know, these things are led into their house and they start having a conversation is when they start to realize that there's something off about them. Uh, and like you said, uh, some people will, will, well, I mean, I, there was one case where the, the person said that, that, that the guy, did it seem real? 
that there was something wrong with them. They weren't real. And I, I just always, I always found that fascinating. I, you know, what do you mean by not real? It's just, just they weren't real. Their skin wasn't right. Um, their the way that they talked wasn't right. They weren't real. Even like the men and, in black things where people hand them food and they act like they have no idea how to eat it. Like, assumably anything biological right. needs to eat food, but if it's some type of biological drone, it may not necessarily need to eat. Right. There was a case where um, a woman had a rather mundane UFO sighting, um, never told anybody about it. A couple of days later, she got a knock on her door and there was like a uh, uh, an Air Force colonel, American Air Force colonel at her door, you know, dressed you know, in his military uh, outfit, had a briefcase, uh, uh, wanted to come in to talk about her UFO experience. First of all, this surprised her because she hadn't told anybody about it. But, I mean, this was in the 60s, and there was a little bit more respect towards the military then. So she let this guy in. You know, he seemed to have all the proper credentials. And um, she had just made Jello, And it, it was still in the refrigerator, and it, was, it had solidified at that point. So she offered him a bowl, and he did not know how to eat Jello. He tried to drink it from the bowl <laughs> and she actually had to get a spoon or, you know, take the spoon and show him how to eat it. And, uh, you know, there, there was another case where, um, uh, uh, uh people had, uh, um, they had let, it, 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 this case is a little bit more involved, but you know, the, uh, the son, Married son and his wife. The son had a had a, his father was a UFO investigator and had had a visit a couple of nights before by a singular man in black, and then a couple of days later, uh, his son was approached by this couple at a McDonald's, who this couple said that they wanted to come over to his house to talk about his father's experience. Now again. This guy didn't know these people from Adam, and yet he said, sure, follow me, and got into his car, and they followed him in his car to their house and let them in, complete strangers, but uh, his his wife served, gave them uh, uh, cold bottles of, of Coke, and they did not know how to drink from those bottles. Now, how many people do you know don't know how to drink from a bottle? Just in general, like any type of fluid, I don't feel like there's any other option on like how to it's either a straw or a bottle. It's one of the two. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. You know, the other odd thing they said was that the, uh, these people, that they walked funny. They said that they walked like their legs weren't attached to their torsos right, both of them. They, they said that their legs appeared to be attached to the sides of their hips rather than, than coming down like a normal, you know, uh, normal, which made them walk, they, they said, like marionettes almost, kind of like this weird side-to-side movement. And uh, as, as this weird couple sat on the couch talking to this man and his wife, the, the male 
was fondling his companion's breasts and asking the people of the house if he was doing it right. Like trying to take like a basic human thing and just see if it kind of works for him almost like this is something a human would do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Almost, almost. It was just just a very weird thing. And again, you know, this was in the early 70s. So, you know, I mean, you know, I don't and you you still, you know, you still wouldn't go and visit strangers, you know, even today and, and, you know, start feeling up your companion and and asking the people, how is this right? Am I doing it right? I mean, looking at society and the way it used to be back then where like porno theaters were like a normal thing, like who knows what it could have saw and associated with like normal human reaction or, you know, interaction. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but that's, you know, see, there's, there's all kinds of stories like that with, uh, with people interacting with these, these, what appear to be human looking things, but don't seem to understand this, the normal social interactions or, or even, you know how to you know eat or drink or or or, or, or things that, that that we take for granted, and you know these are the aspects of these encounters that really stand out um, to these people who 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 have encountered these things, you know, and which then has left them that with with the distinct impression that they weren't dealing with humans. These things may look human. And to a certain extent, act human, but there's something not right. There's there's something going on that leaves these people with the impression that they were dealing with something completely different. That almost makes you kind of wonder. It connects in with like the, uh, you know, the black eyed children. You know, it makes you wonder if there's, again, multiple races or multiple be entities, whatever you want to call it, that are involved in this weird interaction with humans. And maybe one of them is better at it where they have, you know, it's not quite there where it needs to be yet enough that people have that uncanny valley feeling and know that something's wrong where you have like the men in black. And then maybe there's other races that are trying to develop this type of interactive technology for themselves. And that's where you have things like the black eyed children where they're still kind of prototyping it and trying to figure it out for themselves. Cause you know, may, not all these races may want to give up their secrets to other ones on how to create these different types of like biological vessels in order to interact with humans. So again, maybe like the black eyed children in the way that they're so aggressive, maybe it's uh, like a, like a predecessor to another race trying to find another way to interact with humans but it just isn't isn't there yet enough to even get in the door, you know? Well, you know, it's 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 cases like that and the black eyed children and you know the 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 strangers coming to your door that that really I mean it it makes this subject rather difficult to 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 talk about no. and it, I mean not difficult to talk about that you know, I don't you know you don't want to talk about it, but just it's difficult to pin it down. It's all speculation. Be, yeah, well, but I mean, it's it's speculation on what's going on. It's not speculation that people are having these encounters. All right, and so I mean, you know, in 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 our book, mimics the others uh, among us. You know, we're 
we're attempting to bring all of these kind of like diverse situations under one umbrella, uh, even though that uh, more than likely you're dealing with, you know, like you said, maybe, you know, all kinds of, of, of different things with a um, maybe superficial similarities, the superficial similarities being they look human, but they're not, um, you know, and the black eyed kids is, is, you know, it's, it's, that's a very interesting thing because it really it it also harkens back to stories that that we've uh, run across that are hundreds of years old. I mean, it's the black eyed kids are not new. You know, it's 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 not a new thing, and and their whole uh, 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 the way that they operate. You know, knocking on your door and and asking to come inside. You know, we need to come inside. Can we use your phone to call our mom? It's cold. We're lost. But they always have to ask to come inside. And, you know, that harks right back to the old, uh, you know, like vampire and, uh, and, and fairy legends where none of these things could come into your house unless they were invited in. Or at least... Uh, like uh, uh, they would stand outside your window at night and call your name. And if you answered, that would be enough to allow them, you know, to, to, to come inside. But the black eyed kids would always insist that we can't come inside unless you invite us in. And, and again, you know, the, the old uh, vampire stories, you know, the vampires could not come inside your house unless you gave them permission to come inside. So, you know, the Chinese would call these things hungry ghosts, ghosts of the dead that were still looking for sustenance, blood or life energy or, or, or what have you. And it's almost like the black eyed kids are playing that very same role, the very same uh, um, uh, uh, following the very same rules, you know, that, were, that have been established for, for thousands and thousands of years. And and like and like a lot of these uh, 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 other encounters, like with the men in black, or the, uh, uh, the 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 others that come knocking on your door, the black-eyed kids, even before their eyes are noticed, people will report that they just get an une- uneasy feeling around these kids that there's not there's something not right with these kids one person actually said that they had the feeling right away that they were in the presence of predators and that they could be eaten alive at any moment if they let their guard down now that's really an interesting statement from somebody who is you know, there's little kids at your doorstep, you know, cold and, and lost possibly and, and, and hungry. And yet they're left with the feeling that they're in the presence of something that's going to kill them. I mean, that seems like it's kind of ideal, though, for like an advanced predator is that you completely lower the guard down so that you don't even have to worry about anybody necessarily defending because they just would like assuming that you're a weak kid, not realizing that, you know, you're something way more than them. It's like, their own form of like camouflage to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and of course the stories that we get about the black eyed kids are from the people who, who, 
who haven't let them in. And it makes you wonder, are there cases where people did and, you know, they're a statistic the next day? I've you heard know. one story and it was off of Reddit. So again, it's kind of one of those things that you could uh, kind yeah. of throw out of the window or there may be some truth to it, but it's always worth at least kind of entertaining the possibility. But uh, the one that I had read that was talking about somebody that let a black eyed children in, they said that they got really violent and that they took off into like a bedroom and locked themselves into a bedroom. And then they stopped mm-hmm. hearing noise. And when they went out, went back out, they were just gone. And I'm sure that there's probably some more of these stories if you re- if you look out on the internet, but at least the one that I read, that's, I mean, weirdly enough, seems kind of fitting to what they would do. Like, they're almost just kind of trying to see what they can do versus actually trying to physically, like, do something. Or, you know, maybe there's some weirdness to it, too, where if there's some kind of weird universal rule about, like, letting somebody in, maybe if there's another closed door within that maybe there's like a second set of permission that's needed to go into that so at that point they're kind of just like all right whatever <laughs> the uh, the only case that i ever heard where they actually let them in um and and this was a situation that uh, they let them in before they actually saw their eyes uh but uh they they let them at least into the front hallway, you know, from the front door. But their cats freaked out so much to the point that they thought that the cats were actually going to, like, you know, tear down the kitchen door trying to get away from these children. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, so they then, like, you know, shush, you know, get out to the kids, you know, uh, sent them out again. And then the kids just mysteriously disappeared. I mean, they were in a rural area to begin with. All right. So when they pushed the kids back out onto the front porch, then when they checked almost immediately, they were gone. I mean, and, you know, no kids on the road. You know, they looked around the house, nothing there. Like over the next couple of days, the cats got sick. Both the cats died. Eventually, the husband developed heart problems and passed away rather quickly after this incident himself, you know, within a matter of a few months. So, you I mean, know, maybe uh, these things already let themselves in, but they're not in in a physical way. They're in in a interdimensional or like a spiritual, whatever you want to call it. Like they become attached to you in a different way where they don't need to physically be like there to instill whatever they're trying to do. Like if there's some type of like energy vampire or something like that. But I mean, at least between the story that you had and the story that I had, um, you know, maybe there is a common thread between them that it seems that they just will randomly disappear whenever, (laughs) you know, the trouble starts happening. You push them out the door, you go and hide yourself and then they just disappear. Well, it's the same thing with, uh, um, these men in black encounters or, you know, like the, the, the stories that I told you about the, uh, the, the bizarre strangers is that a lot of times after these people leave, they vanish almost immediately and, and rather, uh, you know, inexplicably, uh, a couple times, you know, like a car, a a big black car would drive up and pick them up and, and, and drive away. Other times they'll just, you know, they'll be seen like walking the, uh, the sidewalk in front of the house away from the house only then to just, you know, vanish completely. Um, you know, there's, uh, there there's a was an interesting story that um Sean Castile had uh, in in one of his chapters uh, in in our book mimics 
about um, a gentleman by the name of Bruce Lee, not the Bruce Lee, but there's the same name. Uh, and and he he worked for the same publishing company that was distributing uh, Whitley Strieber's first book, Communion. And uh, him and his wife, Bruce Lee and his wife, had gone to a Manhattan bookstore to check out the display that this bookstore had ha- had put up for uh, communion. And while they were there, he noticed this rather odd-looking couple come into the store. He said they were they were rather short. And uh, they were dressed in uh, and and it was, uh, you know, rather cold outside. I think it was like November or something like that. But these people were wearing, you know, like uh, uh, clothes that were very wrapped up, you know, like uh, scarves around them, you know, hats. The woman had uh, they both had big sunglasses on. And the, these people went right up to this display and they picked up one of uh, Whitley's uh, uh, books and they were leafing through it, making comments to each other that uh, 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 Mr. Lee could uh, could hear. They were saying things like, you know, oh, well, you know, he got that right. And he was like, oh, wow, you know, that's just completely wrong. And so um, he was curious what uh, uh, what mistakes may be in the book. So he went up to them and he asked, you know, excuse me, I work for the publishing company. You know, what, uh, uh, what are you finding right or wrong about this book? And he said that the woman looked at him, looked up at him because she was short, and he could see that her skin was extremely white and that her her chin came down to like an almost a point and that through her sunglasses he could see that her eyes were huge and somewhat almond shaped but he said that when she looked at him he said that he felt like that he was in the presence of a dog that was getting ready to bite him and, you know, and, and didn't she didn't say anything to him, but she he just felt like this wave of hostility just overtake him to the point where he was just like, oh, never mind, and just backed away. But it left enough of an impression on him that you know he he, he made a, he made comments to Whitley, and then you know Whitley and several other people wrote about this. So I mean, and and this you know this is very similar to other types of of encounters with uh, kind of you know like odd looking people on the streets that uh, are are using like hats and scarves and sunglasses to seemingly to disguise maybe not quite human looking characteristics usually with the uh, like the chin and the eyes uh, uh, Skin is usually described as being extremely pale, either extremely pale or there's also people who have, uh, especially like with the men in black, the uh, kind of like the a dark, almost olive colored uh, uh, type of skin. But again, we have that same kind of characteristic of people feeling off that they're in danger or they're in the presence of something that just absolutely hates them. Now, you know, whether or not these things actually, you know, do 
hate people and you know people are picking up on that hostility or if there's some kind of mind manipulation that has taken place that as almost like as a form of protection or self-defense that this is a projection being put into their mind that you know i'm dangerous i'm going to bite type of you know type of situation you know i don't know but it's a very similar characteristic that we see all across the board with interactions with these things. It almost makes you wonder too, if, you know, you look at them having advanced technology where they may not, I mean, they could definitely have like some type of telepathic abilities, but if you don't, if you aren't on the side that necessarily believes in that and you kind of fall into like the advanced technology aspect of it, I mean, they could even have some type of like transmitter or something in their pocket that gives off like a certain frequency. And when they get into that situation where they're like figured out, they could essentially like hit this button in their pocket and it will give off this like energy that's like that mm-hmm. get away from me energy, you know, it may not be as like woo woo as people think it is. It could literally just be like a frequency that it's inaudible to you that you're hearing in your pocket that's able to manipulate the way that your mind's working and thinking. Well, you know, and there's there's the other aspect. And it's 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 funny because when we were putting this book together originally, um, I mean, it was it was basically finished. And I was on um, I was on uh, 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 one of our uh, 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 chapter writers, a guy by the name of of, of Hercules Invictus. Uh, uh, he had a podcast, and I was on his show, and um, we were talking about something completely different. But somehow it kind of got the conversation got onto the book that we, we were discussing. And it occurred to me in this conversation that there could be a sense of smell going on here. And as I started talking about it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to research this and then add it into the book. So I actually went back to uh, the, 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 the conclusion chapter. And if, you, if anybody goes out and buys this book, uh, please buy this book, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see where I, where I dropped it in because it was like, you know, this, th- I think this, you know, th- this, th- this could be an important point where maybe at least one of the aspects at play with people when they encounter these things and have these feelings about them, uh, uh, that it could be coming from a sense of smell, that these things don't smell right, all right? They don't smell human. Now, are we... Despite what you read, humans have pretty good noses, all right? And they're not as good as a dog or anything like that, but it's still pretty good. We can't smell and, far, but I feel like we have more cue notes for stuff that's right in front of our face. So we can smell more stuff than a lot of things can on the planet as long as it's not like a distance away. That's where most animals have the benefit that we don't. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But the one thing that we can distinguish, though, is that we can distinguish another human yeah, let's say that's, that's that uncanny valley thing too. We just always yes. have this back instilled gut intuition feeling of what is human and what isn't human. Like, right? Even right. somebody that's psychopathic, like you have you have this thing in your head where you're able to tell that they're not quite the same kind of human as you. Right. So if these things have a different smell, 
not enough to be that obvious, even though there are cases that I have in the book where these things do have a smell that is very obvious and very different, so much so that people you know, will comment about it later. But in a lot of these other cases where people just suddenly are engulfed with these feelings of, of fear or dread that they can't, or terror that they can't understand, it may be coming from an unconscious level because we are smelling these things and recognize that even though they look human and are acting human, they don't smell human. And so that sets off that whole, um, 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 I can't think of what's the word I'm trying to think of, uh, unconscious, but, um, uh, now I can't, I can't, I can't think of the words. It's, uh, same, same thing that happens, you know, like when you, you're in the doctor's office and you cross your leg and he hits your leg and, you know, like an involuntary response. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's this involuntary response that causes the hair on the back of your neck to raise up, you know, the, uh, uh, you get the goosebumps and everything, but not in a pleasant way. Uh, and, and I, and I basis a lot of this also on a, a, a short story that I read years ago. It was, it was, it was a science fiction written by a science fiction author. And it was called man of steel, woman of tissue. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, but it was just a whole uh, kind of like a, 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 a kind of a somewhat humorous essay on why Superman would never be able to interact and breed with humans. All right. Mainly because if he is, has all these superpowers and everything like that, if he were to actually get together with Lois Lane, you know, his involuntary uh, responses while he would be making love to her, he'd tear her up. Mm-hmm. That's what I was <laughs> getting at, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he'd crush her. But, but the other thing is that he said uh, that he wrote about is that uh, because Superman is not human. He may look human, but he's not. He's, you know, an alien from Krypton. People wouldn't smell right to him. You know, it would it would be like us trying to, you know, find, say, like a gorilla or a chimpanzee pleasant to smell. And these are, you know, this is those are something that's really close to our species. So if we are dealing with things that are so different from us, even though they look like us, that they don't smell right, then yeah, that's that's going to that's going to raise an involuntary response within us that we don't understand why we're feeling that way. We just know that we are. And and once again, though, you know, see, you brought up the uncanny valley. And that's a situation that scientists have discovered when they were work when they're working on um, trying to develop uh, robots that look human. And the closer they found that these robots that they were making looked human, the more uneasy feelings that they generated in people. Uh, uh, and that's why instead of making these things, instead of making these robots look, look try to look as completely human as possible, they actually are starting to give them more, say, like anime types of looks to them. You know, the the, the big cartoony eyes and, and, and shapes like that. People are more comfortable 
with something like an automation that looks like that rather than something that looks so close to us that it's it, it, it hits that uncanny valley cart there, there are some cartoons that are the same way um the polar express mm-hmm. <laughs> their eyes are so dead in that it freaks you out but you don't quite know why but if you really start paying attention it's because the eyes are dead Exactly. Exactly. Uh, they, they, there's something not right. And you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I've had some people tell me that the same thing, people who have had encounters, you know, with, with the others and they'll say, I got the same feeling years later when I watched the polar express, there was another one that the same company made, um, Mars needs moms. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, they use that same kind of animation technique that just you know, it's it's just just it just made people feel creepy when they're watching them, and so you know that's they said they they got the same feeling after you know, uh, and it was years later after they had their interactions with the others that then they saw these cartoons. He's like, you know, I got the same kind of feeling watching these cartoons as I did when these things were sitting, you know, in my living room talking to me. So, I mean, just, yeah, just, just imagine, you know, the characters from these cartoons actually coming into your house. You, you don't like to watch them on the movie screen. How do you think you're going to feel if they are actually sitting on your couch trying to drink your jello? <laughs> so, um, I was going to ask, um, from your research, has anybody kind of given you a description of what the smell is? Cause assumably it's something that's like unearthy, but there would have some type of like related smell to it on earth. Um, like if you kind of have an idea of like what the smell might kind of be or even in certain scenarios. Well, um, you know, in, in the cases where people have actually, you know, uh, reported a smell and it, it's, it's, uh, again, it's, it, it can be different with each case. Um, one person described it as smelling like formaldehyde and he had worked, I guess at one point um, in a funeral home and knew it was very familiar with uh, how those chemicals smelled. And uh, uh, this was a bartender uh, that uh, had an experience where this, this very bizarre couple came into his bar. Uh, He was the only one there. It was at closing time and uh, they wanted a drink and, and he said well i'm closing but you know i'll fix you a drink but you know you're gonna have to leave leave soon but uh um they got the drinks but never drank them but he said that this 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 the 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 female especially had this smell of formaldehyde to her and uh, 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 another case, the person reported that the people smelt like um, dirt, like freshly dug dirt. Now I'm kind of wondering, we're talking about the whole biological drone thing. What if they're able to reanimate dead <laughs> bodies? Because yeah. formaldehyde sounds like you're taking something from a funeral home or even if they're doing like, you know, the missing 411 thing, you know, you're going to have to preserve the body somehow before you go to use it. And then even the dirt smell that could, they could literally be taking freshly buried bodies and reanimating it as a biological drone because essentially what would be better to be able to do that with? Because then you wouldn't have to essentially build the actual body, you'd already have the body made. It's just a matter of finding a way to animate it. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't think that 
I haven't speculated along those lines. <laughs> as soon as you said dirt, I, it just clicked right in my... I, I already yeah. heard it with formaldehyde, but that dirt just yeah. nailed, put the nail in the coffin. <laughs> well, and yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> no, no pun intended, right. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, don't, th don't think that I, I haven't thought along those same lines as well uh, uh, because... You look at you look at a lot of these cases, you know, with with these things, and uh, you know, so many of the reports are the the these, especially the skin is extremely pale to the point of being white. Even the olive uh, colored could be that kind of starts to decay if it's like that bluish green. Right, right, and uh, um, um, and just the, the kind of uh, a lot of times that that kind of shambling type of of way that they walk uh, um, and and uh, it's like we pointed out before the the dialogues a lot of times are very like robotic or like they were talking from a script uh, uh, that there didn't seem to be any kind of back and forth response from these things. Uh, uh, they, they would talk to the people and if the, and then if they got a response that was outside of, I guess what was to be expected, it almost would like throw them for a loop for a moment. And then they would like go and repeat the same thing over again and then go on to the next line of, of, of dialogue. Kind of sounds like interacting um, with like artificial intelligence almost. Yeah. Very. Oh yeah. Very much so. Um, you know, uh, 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 Timothy Green Beckley told me a story of um, he was harassed for a while uh, by this guy that, um, had this kind of unique ability to be able to track Beckley down. Uh, uh, and this was, you know, like pre-internet days, but this, this guy would show up a lot of times in locations that, that Beckley was that, you know, Tim could never quite figure out how he knew where he was. He actually, uh, this guy actually managed to track down, um, uh, where Beckley used to live when he was a kid and, and, you know, like his, his family home that nobody else was supposed, you know, would know about, you know, where, you know, where this was in, in New Jersey. Uh, yet this guy, you know, managed to, to show up there. And, uh, and in fact, uh, uh, Tim found out his name and actually talked to this guy's mother uh, who, who, who told him that, um, he, that he was a normal guy most of the time, but then he would just suddenly, um, and I can't remember what the words were that she used, but Beckley, Beckley said that it was like he was possessed. All right. That he would be normal. And then all of a sudden he would be possessed by something else that he would then, you know, like call Beckley up on the phone and just uh, repeat these like rambling, uh, 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 almost like pre-programmed messages to him. And when he would uh, accost him on the street, it was kind of like the same thing. You know, he would just say these things to Tim over and over and over again and then go away. 
And, you know, and Tim just always said, he goes, I, I just always felt like that at the time that this guy was talking to me, that he was dead and that something else was talking through him. Um, so it's it's very similar to a lot of these these other cases, like you said, like almost like they have been possessed by another intelligence or, or even like an AI. Uh, and, you know, and that's something I bring out, in, you know, in the, in, in the book as well. I mean, you know, we're at the very beginning stages of the whole uh, uh, AI revolution. I mean, in, in 50, a hundred years from now, will we be at the point where AI will be able to actually have a physical form and interact with uh, uh, people physically. And if that's the case, if we're able to do that, could there be other intelligences that are doing the same thing? Uh, uh, that for whatever reason, and, and that's the odd thing about all of these, you know, I- encounters and interactions that we've been talking about, that there, a lot of times there, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason uh, uh, other than, you know, like at times some of these people will have, say, like a UFO experience or, or uh, some kind of paranormal experience that'll act like a catalyst to set these things off. But again, it's 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 almost like you have got an AI intelligence that has the ability to manipulate our reality to create a physical form, maybe briefly interact with us and then either return the body to the grave (laughs) or dissolve. You know, go back to you go back to you know. I mean, ter- go back to its energy state, or or, or or whatever, with the actual intelligence behind it being someplace else, and that that great unknowable that we had talked about earlier. I mean, either one. If you're looking at it from like a possible more like woo woo perspective, it could be a matter of they're able to basically like shift their consciousness into something else and be able to temporarily animate it through that. Or if you're going into a possible like more advanced technology standpoint, I mean, we already have like, you know, the, what are they called? The micro bots and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, they could assumably be the same thing that they could use for these things or they have some type of advanced technology where it's able to just reanimate it temporarily. And you never notice that it goes away because the bots could just blow up after or just disintegrate Mm -hmm. or, you know, just, kind of incorporate themselves into part of the body because, you know, who knows our perspective of looking at things, we're looking at things from like, like a technology, technological standpoint of it being like metal and electrics and things like that. But that doesn't mean that other races and other beings that are way more advanced than us are using that same type of thing. They could be using something that's like nanobots, but completely biological where it could animate a body and stay in the body. And we have no idea of what that could be, or we may not even notice that it's in the body and it could be all over it. And we could have evidence of these nano, you know, biological bots everywhere. But again, we're just not advanced enough to recognize it or even know that it's something there. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, you know, uh, you, you made that difference, uh, that the, the difference between, you know, woo-woo or an advanced technology. What's the difference? You know, uh, an advanced technology 
to the point with us is going to look like woo woo. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what Arthur C. Clarke said. You know, what was it? Uh, uh, an advanced science uh, is is going to be to us indistinguishable from magic. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, one or the other. I don't think it really makes any kind of 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 difference. Uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the only thing is that, that we are dealing with something unknown that is able to either look like us, either it was born that way and, you know, and looks like us, you know, because that's the way it looks, or it's able to manipulate itself to look like us or manipulate our perceptions so that we see it as looking like us. But the ultimate fact is, is that it is not us. And we're able to at least unconsciously perceive that we're not dealing with a human, that we're dealing with something else. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, you kind of been dancing around it a little bit, of course. And of course, we want to talk about your new book a little bit. Um, You know, we're running on about two and a half hours or so now. And I know we've kind of touched base on a couple of the different concepts you've talked about in your new book. But uh, for anybody that's enjoyed the conversation and they're really interested in this new book, uh, why don't you kind of give them an idea of like what exactly they're going to find in the book? And um, just, I guess, kind of like a rough, rough overline of what exactly your new book is. Sure. Well, uh, the book is called Mimics, The Others Among Us, and uh, 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 the authors are myself, Sean Castile, and then we have a lot of uh, uh, contributing authors as well. And all of us were uh, uh, writers for the late Timothy Green Beckley. So uh, uh, I wanted to oh, get all of us you know, back together to continue writing books on the things that we we always loved writing about, you know, with, uh, with Tim Beckley. And, you know, the, the main thesis of this book is, is, is like I said, you know, this, this book deals with this whole human, humanoid entity aspect that we have seen throughout the centuries that interacts with mankind to various degrees in various shapes and forms depending on um, when these interactions take place in in history or modern times uh, 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 you know cultural social aspects you know they'll they'll go by the 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 various names and and descriptions based on that uh, that time period, uh, uh, you know, you go back into the ancient past and you know, they presented themselves as like deities or angels or uh, uh, fairies and the, the good people. And, and, and when I say fairies, I don't mean like the modern conceptions of fairies, you know, like Tinkerbell with the, uh, the you know, little tiny glowing things with wings and things like that. No, I mean, uh, uh, the, the, the old beliefs in fairies had them. Sometimes they would be, you know, shorter, you know, like what we would think of as like elves or, nor, uh, or gnomes. But uh, uh, most of the time, these things were thought of as being 
practically indistinguishable from humans. You know, nor you know, same size as humans. You know, they have their own societies. You know, like uh, underground or off in the woods, and uh, they interacted with people much like the uh, say, like the alleged extraterrestrials from U- UFOs uh, interact with us uh, t- today. So, uh, uh, and of course, the UFO aspect of the phenomena is kind of like the flavor of the month. I mean, people don't really believe anymore in, you know, angels or fairies, but the idea of extraterrestrials from other planets, well, you know, that, that could be, uh, that could be a possibility. And the thing about these entities is that they are all too willing to take on whatever face uh, uh, we expect them to be. So right now, again, we we think of the possibility of extraterrestrials visiting us, and they tend to uh, present themselves along those lines. You still have societies that uh, that that believe in. Uh, uh, other types of supernatural or elemental types of of creatures, and they'll present themselves along those lines as well. So uh, the main idea of the book is to try to collect all of these different types of stories from around the world, from throughout history, and bring them all together to... um, to raise the reader's awareness of how ubiquitous this phenomena is and how it's really kind of been ignored. I think um, that just the, 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 this, this whole idea of, of human looking supernatural extraterrestrial, what have you entities that have interacted with people throughout history. That's that's pretty much the you know the, the the synopsis of the book, and we include you know we also include things like uh, um, cryptid creatures, you know, like the black eyed kids or the slender man or Bigfoot or wild man because I mean they have uh, uh, you know humanoid human shapes uh, 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 to them, but uh, you know we we, we kind of like to have concentrated more on the beings where there is an actual you know, one-on-one interactions with these things rather than, you know, I was driving my car and I saw this, you know, this, this thing uh, uh, run across the road. We got, we've got stories like that, but it's, it's the, the actual interactions, you know, intellectual interactions, you know, talking uh, interactions with these things that I think is, is, is really fascinating. And, uh, and, you know, we, we, we try to get an understanding and maybe some explanations, but again, it's, it's, it's speculative on, on what we're exactly dealing with because we don't know uh, uh, these, again, these things, tend to tell us what we want to hear rather than maybe what the truth is. Maybe there is no truth. You know, maybe we're, we are hearing uh, 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 the truth by hearing what we want to hear. But the main, the main aspect is that, you know, we want people to become aware of just how uh, um, uh, ubiquitous this, this, 
the 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 human shape is with these types of entities. If I know my listeners, I definitely know that this book that you just made is going to be right up their alley. And I think that it's going to spark a lot of their interest and a lot of them are going to be drawn towards it. So that being said, of course, where can they come and find your book at? Sure. Well, uh, probably the easiest way would be to uh, go to Amazon.com. Just type in my name, Tim R. Swartz, or the title Mimics the Others Among Us, and uh, you'll be able to find it uh, both as a a print and e-book. We're working to make it available uh, on uh, um, uh, physical bookstores, but that's a little bit more difficult. Uh, uh, There's uh, more hoops to jump through. For, for something like that. But for your immediate gratification, I would recommend going to uh, to Amazon.com to get it. And you can also find links on uh, on our website at uh, conspiracyjournal.com. And uh, if anybody was trying to find you in order to you know possibly share some encounters with you, uh, keep tabs on your kind of work, uh, where can they come and find you at? Sure. Uh, again, the easiest way would be to uh, go to uh, conspiracyjournal.com. You'll find uh, links there that you can send emails and uh, and communicate with us that way. Not only myself, but uh, Sean Castile and uh, our other authors like uh, uh, Scott Corrales, got Nigel Watson, uh, uh, Chris Holly. Uh, uh, Gene Steinberg. We got uh, uh, Paul Eno, Lon Strickler. We got... Uh, I was so happy. Uh, we got some just excellent researchers and writers for this book because, you know, uh, like yourself and and hopefully your listeners, you know, when I presented them with my initial idea for this, everybody was just like, oh, my gosh, that's mm-hmm. just such a fascinating idea, you know, and uh, and like me, you know, once you start. Once you become aware of these types of encounters, you'll start to see them all over the place. Uh, you know, you go to say like a favorite website, uh, uh, you know, a good example would be Lon Strickler's uh, Phantom and Monsters websites. You'll find just all kinds of fascinating encounters with these uh, human looking creatures that, uh, uh, you know, that, that nobody has really thought about bringing them all together and trying to see, is there a connection? There has to be a connection. And that's what we're looking for. Say for me in particular, I've been on this one for a really long time where I've been wondering if a lot of these things, like I mentioned to you earlier in the show, are all the same thing. So as far as I go, all you had to do was you shot me a message and said mimics uh, among us. And you already had me sold at the title. I already knew what it was getting at. And I knew it was right up my alley on something that I've been getting into. And uh, same with my listeners, at least hearing me rant about it for a while between this show and Bizarre Encounters. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and of course, you know, after, after the book was written uh, and, and, and published, then I start uh, uh, running across even more stories that I'm just like, oh my god, this would have been such a perfect story for for the book. So you know, now it's just like, well, you know, start start collecting more. Maybe we can come up with uh, you know enough good stories to write a second book. I mean, there's uh, mimic still uh, among uh, us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there there was this one I ran across just the other day, and uh, this was from a. Um, a Swedish UFO magazine from the seventies that uh, uh, this woman had written, wrote, written a letter to it and they published it. And uh, uh, she had like a little house out in the country in, in, in Sweden. And she had gotten up early one morning to watch the sunrise, went out in the woods and she was looking for 
um, lingonberries, which uh, uh, you know is, is a, a kind of a, a cranberry type of, of berry that grows in that area, and uh, she all of a sudden she heard. Uh, a, children's voices you know laughing and she turned around and there were a couple of she said looked to be about maybe 12 13 year old girls sitting on a log that she had just passed by and you know they hadn't been anybody there previously and she said these little girls were sitting there uh eating what looked to her to be like white uh buns and so she apologized to him. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, I almost stepped on you. I didn't even see you there. And they told her, they said, oh, well, don't worry about it. We saw you coming and uh, there wouldn't have been any way you would have uh, run into us unless uh, uh, we wouldn't have let you. And uh, so she said that these, these little girls were very smart ways and more a lot more mature than it seemed like they should be for their age almost precocious she said and at one point one of the girls stood up and said you know i feel like uh lingonberries and she said the girl kind of like went like that with her hand and the forest floor was then covered in lingonberries <laughs> and uh so after that they were like, well, we have to go now, so we'll see you later. Goodbye. And so, and the woman said, okay, goodbye. And she, and then the little girls looked at each other and they laughed and they said, can you, and, and they were saying this to each other. They said, can you imagine us running into and talking to an actual human in these woods? Who would have thought it? And then they just disappeared. <laughs> I mean that that is that is a quintessential story, you know, for for the mimics. The only difference is is that this woman never felt threatened by these these little girls. But just that statement from them saying to think that we saw a human and they were just so happy about it. It's just like wow. That's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> they're on the other side and they're trying to figure out us just as much as we're trying to figure them out. <laughs> Could very well be. Could very well be. It sounds like it though. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, just, it's, it's one of these mysteries that uh, you'll find throughout this book. So, you know, I mean, I hope, uh, I hope your listeners uh, get themselves a copy and, uh, and enjoy it as much as all of us enjoyed uh, researching and writing it. <laughs> See, I've definitely enjoyed at least a little bit that I've gotten to read so far since I just got it not too long ago, but I'm definitely, I'm already far blown into it and I'm planning on reading it all the way to the back cover. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and there's a lot of information in this book. And I mean, you know, the money that you spend on it is not that expensive. Uh, uh, you, you'll definitely get your money's worth out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I always like to leave the show, of course, on a high note. So if there's any words of wisdom that you could bestow on the listeners, uh, what would it be? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I think I think it was the same situation as 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 last time where I was just like I have no idea what kind of words <laughs> you know, of, of of wisdom. You know, I, I suppose my words of wisdom would be when it comes to all of this stuff is don't believe any of it. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in any of this stuff. I find it interesting. I love to get these stories, but I am not going to commit myself to a belief system 
on any of this. And I, and I recommend the same thing um, with your listeners as well, because as soon as you uh, uh, set yourself into a belief system, then you close your mind to any new information that, that, that comes uh, on down the line. And, and the, the thing is with all of these mysteries that, that we love talking about is that new information is always coming down. And so you have to, Keep your mind open to this new information, new facts, and don't let yourself, be, you know, uh, become convinced on one specific aspect. You know, it's like the UFO phenomena. Don't go and, you know, just convince yourself that it's all extraterrestrials and nothing else, because if anything new comes down the line, it's going to you're going to have a difficult time accepting that because you've got your mindset already. So. Keep your minds open. Keep your eyes open. Don't believe in anything, but enjoy the information as it comes down to you. That was actually beautiful words of wisdom because I kind of live up to the same thing where it's like, you know, don't hold everything to be hard fact. But, of course, yes. always entertain any possibility because you never know what possibility could actually be the correct possibility. And you'll never get there unless you at least kind of theorize, bounce around in your head and at least kind of have some fun with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Always is, of course. Like we are mentioning in the beginning of the show, it's always one of those things where, you know, we're running about two hours and 40 minutes now. And we could <laughs> still keep talking for another couple hours. So it just leaves the doorway open for you to hopefully come back on the show sooner than later, preferably. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. You know, anytime you want me on, just uh, just ask me because, uh, you know, I love uh, I love talking with you and uh, I I. I really hope that your listeners enjoy this as well and uh, and get something from it you know i mean i i hope it opens their minds you know to the the the, the possibilities of what a beautiful wondrous universe that we live in <laughs> If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to uh, take an extra five seconds to leave a rating on Spotify or to go on iTunes and spend an extra 30 seconds to hopefully type out an awesome review that I can read out on the show and give you guys a shout out. And uh, if you guys know any friends that may enjoy this particular episode, don't forget to share this episode with that friend. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, you guys can either shoot me a message on Instagram or you can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com or go to the link tree, fill out the submission form, and that will go directly to my email, of course. Uh, keep an eye out in your spam or junk folder. Make sure that no response from me gets missed because I do respond to every single message that I get. And uh, everything that I've mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash inquiries of our reality podcast. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.